Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty and Ryan. And welcome to episode 125 of Otaku Brothers, a milestone, a you might milestone. say. Yeah. My name is Rusty, and as always, I'm joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Ryan. How the heck you doing, man? It's been two weeks. It has. It's been an eventful two weeks, but I'm doing good. Yeah? Yeah. There's been a lot that's going on. Um, So there's some crazy shit, and then there's some less crazy shit. So I'll start with the less crazy shit. Oh, jeez. So you're really just dropping well, like, some bombs on first, us here. The first one is not cr- like super crazy, but it's pissed me off. So it's last night. Aww. So PlayStation 5 controllers have the same drift problem as the N- or the Joy-Cons. Do they? I've yeah. not experienced that. Um, they have the same like Joy-Cons as like the Xbox and like across the board. Pretty much the industry is using them. Mm-hmm. And my PS5 controller now drifts to the left. So, like, preparing for this episode, trying to watch YouTube videos, it just kept scrolling to the very start of these videos. Oh, no. And, like, it would, in some menus, it would just bring me all the way to the left. So you I'm only like, have one controller? I do. Okay. So, I guess I'll have to get a second one or figure out how to replace it. But to replace the Joy-Cons, you have to solder shit off the, like, board. And I'm not that sophisticated. There's got to be a YouTube video out there to help with the PlayStation 5 controller, the dual sense, because, I mean, there's no way you're the first person having this problem. No, the, I, was, there, I looked at YouTube videos this morning, and there are people who have the same problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's not just me being unlucky. Is that the worst thing that happened to you in the past two weeks? No, I, I have to look at my legal rights. <laughs> it's my, probably my worst thing, okay. which is probably number five. Whoa, really? Yeah, like as a tenant. Well, let's get into that. That sounds oh, okay, interesting. Okay, so the second one is, most importantly, RuneScape. There were riots. Good God. Okay, so this is just for the zero people who give a shit about RuneScape. Everyone. is So it's um, Jagex is the company who runs RuneScape. Uh-huh. And like 90% of the people who run the game run it on RuneLite, which is what is generally up in my background. And you see me playing on Discord at like... All the time. Every day. All day. Before. Yeah. I stopped. And there, you can do a lot of different plugins which help you on quests and things. Like, here's the square you literally need to stand on kind of stuff. And there was a guy named, uh, I think is 117, who was working on an HD plugin. I mean, RuneScape's an old looking game. It's mm-hmm. from like 2002. And he was working on an HD inc- like plugin to make it look prettier. For the last two years, put about 2,000 hours in. And the day it was supposed to release, Jagex talked to him and was like, hey, we need you to shut it down. We're eventually going to do an HD thing. We don't want you to have this plug in. Oh, no. Or we'll, like, go after you legally. And he was not he was just doing this for fun, right? <laughs> for fun. No monetary gain. Yeah. Just 2,000 hours of his time the day it was supposed to release, which everyone knew about it because it was on all the forums. Yeah. So, yeah, he was just like, I mean, can I use it until you guys create your thing in three years? Like, everyone was excited. Just mm-hmm. rejuvenate. And uh, so they said no. And there was just riots. So, like, the first world is World 2. There was 2,000 peoples. Peoples? <laughs> 2,000 people in one city just fucking ripping Jagex to shit. Like, 
they were lagging out the world. There were so many people just ranting and writing. And eventually, like, the guy who runs Runelight, which is 90% of their business or, like, access, because there's Steam, which sucks, and then Runelight, they were actually talking to him about shutting down Runelight so the oh, Jagex no. would, like, lose 90% of their customer base. And you'd probably lose all your capes, too, right? I would lose all my capes because I would quit, too. Well, I quit, like, a couple weeks ago, but, like, I would legit, like, quit. You're like Pete Dorr. You never really quit Final Fantasy XI. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, like, so, people, like, Ben would quit. Like, a lot of people were quitting. People were unsubscribing, just saying, like, go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, 24 hours later, riots were still going hard. And eventually, they came out and were like, hey, we heard you loud and clear. We're working with the dude, and then it launched like la- this Monday, I think. So you're back, to Runescape. So we won. No, so I'm, I'm done. I have, I have better games like Ratchet and Clank. Okay, until about. next week. Yeah, yeah, until next week. So that was one. Um, another one, which I was talking to you a little bit before the show. Um, so I watch Invincible on Amazon Prime. It's a superhero. I think he comes from a comic or an anime. I, th- I think it's a comic. I'd heard things about it. Like, it being pretty good, and I never really got into it. I implore anyone to watch... zero. Don't watch any spoilers for this show. Just go on Amazon Prime if you have it. Watch episode one. And don't watch a trailer either. The trailer shows through episode seven, and then eight is the finale. But just watch episode one blindly all the way through... And I will give money back guarantees to anyone who quits watching it because I fucking binged the entire eight episode series yesterday. Damn, he'll refund your Amazon Prime subscription, folks. You heard it here. Yeah, yeah. Just contact me in uh, Discord, I guess. But yeah, it's it's fucking phenomenal. Like the writing, just, oh, it's so good. Is it animated or live action? It's animated. Okay. Um, so they can do things, obviously, that would be a, cost a huge budget. Yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, it's oh my god! It's I I I was trying to think of how I represent it besides just fucking gushing for like two minutes. I don't want to spoil anything, so I can't talk about literally any of the episodes. All right, what's your elevator two sentence pitch? Okay, so this is basically Justice League, um, with the main character being Superman. Um, his name is actually Omni Man in this series, and it's about him having a who has a like a teenage son who's 17 in high school and he has a wife Mm -hmm. watch episode one that's the pitch it's basically off-brand justice league with omni man from a different planet okay instead of superman sounds pretty interesting i'll check it out so good okay if you like the boys as well which i think they just wrapped up season three you'll love this show and it's called invincible invincible okay there's also yep. a mark Wahlberg movie of the same name where he was the punt returner for the new york jets so maybe check uh, that out probably too. far less good it's on disney plus <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah don't watch that one and then i guess the last one is <clears throat> so this happened wednesday this is like my legal thing that i have to figure out my rights on oh goodness so i went i went to walk like walk the dog in the morning like i normally do and I walked down the stairs into that back parking lot where we used to generally talk. Mm-hmm. Every car was gone in the entire parking lot, including mine. And I was like, well, I fuck. Like, do they tow all of our cars? They can't steal all of our cars. Well, they were probably repaving the, they did. the parking lot. Um, so it turns out that they were 
just, yeah, I guess repaving, retarring everything. So I walked around. I'm like, I haven't heard anything about this. Went to one of the grounds dudes. He was like, hey, your car's over there because he's been asked that question a million times. <coughs> Excuse me. And I was like, okay, that's fine. My car's safe. Went and like walked my dog next to it. No scratches or anything. And I was like, that's really weird that they can just randomly move my car. It happened to me in the first apartment complex that Lauren and I lived in. Yeah. Um, I remember waking up one morning and I was either working from home or like I woke up a little bit later. Lauren had already left for work and I go outside and same situation. There's no cars. Mine's in the front of the complex. And fortunately, I had no issues with my car. Well, yeah. I mean, like I'm fine if they move it to repave it. But like a heads up's nice. So it turns out like I was talking to one of the grounds guys and I found out later they had sent an email out 6 p.m. the night before oh. saying, hey, move your car. Like, I didn't look at my email until that morning, mm-hmm. like, because I'm not checking my email at 7 on a Tuesday night. I just, I'm trying to relax, play some games, go to bed. So they send an email at 6 p.m. the night before saying, hey, move your cars by 7.30 a.m. Or we're going to tow your car and we're going to fine you and make you pay for me us towing your car. Mm, that so doesn't like, seem cool. That's not cool at all. And like I'm, I'm thinking I have to go through my lease and everything. But to just enter my apartment, the agreement is two days of notice mm. before you can enter my apartment. I think it's reasonable to expect you have two-day email notice that they're going to be picking up your yeah, car. Yeah, and they obviously have had that contract to repave for more than what 13 hours yeah. before like we're going to tow you. Yeah. You I mean the tow place is probably close I don't know. I'm just thinking bank hours. What's the fee here? I'm not sure. It could range between anywhere 50 to 250 bucks. Are they just adding it on your monthly lease Yeah, for just that hey month? in the portal pay this now. So I mean if it's like 20 bucks, dude. If it's, it's 20 bucks, I don't give a shit, but like I was talking to one of the grounds guys and he was basically saying every like what the tow companies charge for every time they just lift up their thing to move a car is 250 bucks. I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, so, we, you're looking at like a Costco um, situation Costco here. tow trucks? Well, no, <laughs> but you're looking at a situation where it's like a bulk order yeah. here. This person didn't drive halfway down the highway to pick up Joe Schmo because he blew out a tire. Yeah, I, I'm just irritated that it's like, hey, we're going to charge you for something we gave you zero notice on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm pissed. But hopefully, so. hopefully it's not like, yeah, if it's 20 bucks, I don't give a shit. But like if it's more than. Yeah, I, there, there's a cutoff for my happiness quickly diminishing further than it is for just it's just uncourteous, man. It is. Well, you <laughs> like I've literally I've lived there. I paid all my rent. I paid all my utilities on time mm-hmm. for two and a half years. The least I can expect, which is probably more than I should, is two days notice or a day notice similar to you jumping into my apartment. Like, I, like they're replacing some shit like the, the fire alarms, mm-hmm. which I've set off a few times um, for cooking chicken. And they gave me a 10 day notice. I'm like, that's reasonable. Like, yeah, you can come in and on the 28th, but like 13 hours and 6 PM. Not cool, bro. We feel horrible for you collectively as i know just like someone attacked my dog like levels of horrible wow well that was a hell of a soapbox monologue it felt like i was listening to the jimmy kimmel show or something like that with that 11 minute you know (laughs) do you want to invest in our condo (laughs) 
complex. Oh my goodness. Timeshare. Well, welcome <laughs> to Otaku Brothers, yeah. everyone. Uh, as we said at the beginning of the show, we typically talk about video games around here. Sometimes Ryan talks about his legal troubles in RuneScape, <laughs> yeah. but uh, that's just what you get here in Otaku Brothers. We talk about all kinds of yeah. random stuff in the beginning of this show. I think the RuneScape stuff qualifies as video games. Yeah. I, it, yeah. We're 50-50 so far. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh should be a fun show today. It's been two weeks since we've recorded, so if you didn't check out our last episode, go check that out. It's good times. But today, we got to break down the PlayStation Conference. We're not going to talk through every single game, just some of the highlights. Ryan and I talked about on the last episode that we were going to do um, another episode specifically dedicated to that, but... Uh, there's just too much life stuff going on. So we stuck to the two-week schedule. We're going to break down our thoughts, uh, and hopefully our impressions are relatively fresh for all you fine people. And then Rusty, myself, finally got around to playing the 2018 masterpiece, God of War. So Ryan and I are going to have a spoiler-free and spoiler-filled discussion about that. Also talking about the um, Raising Kratos documentary that's out on YouTube. It's about an hour and 55 minutes. If you've played God of War, my goodness, you absolutely need to watch that. Such a greater appreciation for Corey Barlog and the entire Santa Monica uh, team for what they did and the risks they took to make God of War so special. So we're going to get into all of that later in the show. We also got to talk about the games that we've been playing recently outside of God of War. Ryan's got some Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart impressions. Should be good time. So buckle up, people. Hope you have a good beverage. Hope you're sitting down. Maybe playing some good video games. Maybe you're on a commute to work. I don't know what it is, but wherever this episode finds you, I hope it finds you well. But, uh, yeah, so my week, I did not get into any legal troubles, thankfully. Good. Congrats, you know, bro. Uh, the Madden servers are not down. Uh, 3D platformers are still being made. So I did not have a, a, a piss poor it week. It sounds like, like a did. really good week. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 3D platformers are still alive, people. But, um, yeah, what did I do over the past two weeks? I think the biggest thing is Lauren and I ordered a fridge. Okay. Uh, yeah, refrigerators are very expensive. Yeah. Um, we were hoping that the homeowner homeowner's insurance policy that we had when we bought the house um, would help cover the fridge that we currently have. So mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people have experienced this over the years, but um, the fridge we have now, everything on the refrigerator side freezes. So if we get a gallon of milk, frozen, frozen. within a night. Um, we get a rotisserie chicken, frozen. Carrots, wow. I haven't had vegetables in two years. All right, those <laughs> just freeze. All right, otherwise I'm going to break my teeth. Yeah. Um. So we bought a fridge. Can you turn that temperature down at all? Or that's is this... broken. Oh, it is. It's cool. literally like the condenser in the machine is just not working. Um, and that's what would help regulate temperatures. Okay. And since that doesn't work, the knob that we have is just basically useless. useless. Okay. Um, so we went to Home Depot, found an LG fridge. Stay away from Samsung fridges. All right. I remember Grant Kirkhope went on like some crazy (laughs) rant and you know, we can trust our boy Grant. All right. It's famous composer for Goldeneye, Perfect Dark, Banjo-Kazooie, Kingdoms of Animal Reckoning. I can go on for days. Um, We're going to have him on episode 50 of the podcast. So just stay tuned for that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. You missed it two years ago. We We lost the recording. It was tragic. But uh, anyways, yeah. Stay away from those Samsung fridges. Apparently he had some really bad issues with those. But we got an LG fridge. It's coming, I think, the first weekend of October. So we're really excited to finally have fresh food again. Um, I feel like we've been ordering out for like the past like month. 
because that's probably why you haven't had vegetables. <laughs> that's probably why I haven't had vegetables. Yeah. So what do you um, do with your old fridge? Do they buy the old fridge off of you, or you just like say, "Hey, take it"? Please. Oh no, that's absolutely going in the garage, and that's going to be used for all of the frozen pizzas, the frozen snacks. For okay. dude, it's football season. You gotta that's, be. That's fair because everything freezes in there. You you gotta all have all the stuff. fixins, and then it's also a perfect fridge for beer because it stays ice cold. Okay. So we'll stock up on beer. We'll Won't stock- the beer freeze though because it's low enough alcohol. It doesn't. It no, doesn't. No. You've tested it. I out. only have the hard stuff. Okay. In there. <laughs> <laughs> no vegetables, but I've got lots of beer that doesn't freeze. <laughs> That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Nice. Um, so yeah, we got a fridge coming, and then outside of that, dude, it's football season. I'm just so happy. Yeah. I love watching football. You get to watch it like three to four days a week because you've got college on Saturdays. You have NFL on Sunday, Monday, Thursday. And, you know, eventually when you get into the holiday season, you might even have a couple Saturday games. So it's a good time to be alive. It's a good time to be a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. It's always a good time to be a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Come on now. Looking at all you Browns fans out there. Get out of here. All right, Baker. Come on. What are you going to do under pressure? Throw interceptions? Hey, I picked him on fantasy. So uh, I have to be on his side. Hmm. That's some good water. But yeah, no. So, uh it's just been a good two weeks, man. Laura and I are enjoying uh, the time that we have when she's not studying because she finished her master's program. Yeah. So it's just I'd, all good stuff for sure. But uh, with 15, 16 minutes of not so unusual life happenings going on, what do you say we get into some of the better stuff, the stuff people are here for? The games. The games. The PlayStation Conference last Thursday and a little minor correction. So this wasn't a state of play. State of play is usually where they focus on like one or two games and then they might sprinkle in some indies and stuff like that Okay, where they talk about, you know, Horizon Forbidden West or do a deep dive on Deathloop for the umpteenth time, which it came out this week. Shout out to that team. Games like getting tens and nines across the board. Love to see it. Can't wait to get that game. It's going to be good times. But um, so, yeah, it was not a state of play. It was a PlayStation conference. So if you'll remember last fall when we had a PlayStation conference. Again, if we get things wrong, you can always write into the podcast at otakubrotherspodcast at gmail.com. Chrono's Correction Corner. We actually recently got some Chrono heat. We did. For our thoughts on Pokemon. So um, we're sorry, Chrono. We never we never try to make people feel bad. You know, we love the people over there at Game Freak, and we certainly didn't mean to uh, cause you to get your- But it's uh, okay to be wrong. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to say it. No. Yeah, Ryan can take the heat on that one. <laughs> we love you, Chrono. We love you. Um, yeah. Anyways, so love the passion. This was the PlayStation conference, and I think last fall was when you know they they revealed Miles Morales was coming. Yes. Holiday, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart was a thing. We got some Hitman Three goodness, Horizon Forbidden West, and then they drop at the very end. You had like the sexy music playing, and they zoomed into the console with all those beads playing. Yes. Our beads moving around, and then we saw the Wayne Tower uh, PlayStation 5 system. Yeah. So it was a pretty huge thing. So when I got word that it was the conference, not the state of play, I'm thinking, oh, man, they're going to drop Big some releases. serious stuff. Overall, I thought it was okay, like started really strong, and then I felt like the middle portion was pretty slow. Yeah, it's more of a – so I like the bookend approach. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, they're generally pretty good of having some meaty stuff. It, it's more of the, in, I don't know if I'd say indie, but like more of the indie type, smaller titles bookend by the AAA, like holy shit mm-hmm. kind of releases. Yeah. But yeah, sure. I mean, across the board, 
I mean, there's some games that I won't play or don't plan on playing, but like overall, I was pretty happy. I mean, when you're going to kick off a conference with Fucking like casually a Lucasfilm <laughs> logo and then you say yeah. Knights of the Old Republic remake is being yeah. made. And I don't, the exclusivity piece of this, I'm not entirely clear temp- on. I think it's temporary. I think it's coming to PS5 and PC probably for like a year, eight months or something stupid. And then it'll come to probably Xbox and other platforms. Was it just PS5 and not PS4? It just is like purely PS5. I think this is a from the ground up PS5 thing. Okay. Could be wrong. Again, Chronos Correction Corner right in. Um, I'm not entirely sure and I'm not above being proved wrong. So. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I can't think of any other PlayStation timed exclusives that we've had so far this generation. Not this generation. I think there's probably stuff in the past. Yeah, in the but. past for sure. Um. But yeah, I'm completely fine with it. I'm excited that the other uh, systems will eventually get to play it. I'm this. I think this is the only Kotor I actually fully played. Mm. Was the first one. Um, the second one was I think with Revan and Malik. Oh, okay. Um, and Re- this is kind of Revan's story. So you start out at like Revan has a cool story. I'm not going to s- talk about the lore. No, I'm excited like, because I yeah. never played either game. I think I have. I know I have both games on the original Xbox. I think I have both games on Steam or GOG. And I've just never gotten around to really, you know, sinking my teeth deep into KOTOR. So I'm looking forward to playing this one. I mean, it's definitely remains to be seen if this is going to be something where they modify the combat in a similar way that they've done to Final Fantasy VII Remake, where it's more action-based. I would hope so. I mean, it was still pretty action-based. It was... It 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 wasn't... I don't... If I remember... This was like... 10 15 years ago but i think it was maybe action bar kind of turn-based it wasn't full like pokemon level of turn-based of like it's your turn my turn and based off of speed yeah so yeah regardless i mean i love the idea of more star wars games being made it i think it's been a while you know jedi fallen order was great i haven't played rogue squadron but i definitely want to i know we got that free on playstation plus a while back but very excited for KOTOR fans, and this is definitely one I don't want gate. I I don't like the idea of exclusivity outside of first party games. So uh, I think KOTOR coming to other platforms is a great thing, and I'm looking forward to playing this one. Yeah, completely. The next game, very you know stark contrast to KOTOR, was Project Eve. Big, yes. big, big platinum energy with this one. This looked very Bayonetta esque, kind of like the you know your um your near automata mm-hmm. type stuff is this going a on Korean here. Developer. Think it was a Korean developer. Could be, yeah. yeah. No, I mean this looked like the the love child of Bayonetta, Near Automata, and like Sin and Punishment. I don't it know. It also kind of looked like that anime uh, FromSoft game that you're playing a little bit. Oh, Code Vein. Yes. Yeah. Kind of like that with Bayonetta is yeah. how I was seeing it. Yeah. Um. So I got a little blurb here, and I do for a couple of these games, particularly okay. the the ones that were shown at the very end of the conference, but. It says Project Eve takes place in the near future and to quote unquote win back Earth, the player becomes Eve, the survivor of the paratrooper squad deployed from the colony who must fight through powerful enemies with new comrades. This looks like a fun game. And it looks beautiful. Yeah. It looks like it'd be a lot of fun. I'm excited to see another trailer to see if I'm like fully sold on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this came off of that magic borderlands game like it was magic borderlands and then this and like the contrast was so different in these styles it was a little all over the place but i'm totally there yeah. for it um tina turner's no time <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know the name i just have magic borderlands it i 
I played three for the most part until I got stuck on a boss and just kind of rage quit because I was not good at it. Um, but this one looks fun. Yeah. Um, I won't buy it full price, but maybe down the line. Yeah, it's been a That's long time it. since I've played Borderlands. I, I loved what I played of one. I think I played a little bit of two, and then I kind of just fell off the yeah. um, the Borderlands train. Did you ever get three? No, I did not. Okay. I think this would be something, though, for you and I. It's been a long time since you and I have really been mic'd up to play something. I think Resident Evil 5 yeah. may have been the last game you and I went all the way through together. So this could be a fun, you know, squad up, co-op, uh, mic up type of shooter game for us. I think so, too. And then, like, the random magic stuff and all the more RPG fantasy things added on top of just kind of uh, in that style would be probably pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, so Borderlands Tina Tina's Wonderland comes out March 25th of next year, so three days after my birthday. Not the game I'd probably want for my birthday, but you know what? It's all good. That's true. The one that I do want was that Square Enix game. Forspoken. Also, spring is about to be insane. Yes. Was that this year's spring? I I thought it was a little bit later. What do you mean? Forspoken. It's coming out next spring, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, so we got new footage of the main character, Frey, and her journey into the dangerously beautiful world of Athia. It was gorgeous. I mean, Square Enix is amazing when it comes to their graphics, but like, oh my god, it looks so good. It looks different than something like Horizon. Like, I feel like there's a lot of humor that's going to be infused in this game. Like, Freya, what's her name? No, not Freya. (laughs) You're thinking God of War. War. Frey. Kratos. Comes in <laughs> yeah. out of New York. She seems like an awesome protagonist. Yeah. She seems super funny and just very self-aware of the things that are going on. Like, oh, there's dragons. Holy shit. Like, it, it reminds me, of, I mean, the graphics-wise, it looks like Final Fantasy fifteen. It does. And yeah. that world and, the, I mean, just the giant monsters and dra- it. the magic looked great. The combat looked fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping that they'll eventually have a combat trailer um, if it gets enough attention. Yeah. Yeah, and in combat or um, traversing the world almost looked like something like the pathless. Like it, you can almost jump and fly around, kind of thing. It looked like what I thought it was was you know the Unreal Engine five trailer. Yeah, and they showed that world where you're skipping around the world. I thought they were like, oh, surprise! That trailer was actually from a real game, not just to show off all their pixels and their angles and shit. It did look a lot like that. Um, I compare kind of navigating the world almost to Prince of Persia. Like you seem to be okay. able to run along walls and stuff like that, uh, which seems neat. I'm totally all about that. I love my open world games, and with Square Enix behind this one, uh, this female protagonist looks awesome. Brings a lot of um, just humorous energy to the game. Yeah, totally on board. I mean, I don't know if this is going to make spring 2022 because I feel like we already have so many games. And nowadays, when you just have a soft window of time, I feel like it's inevitable that games are going to get delayed later into the fall uh, or or even the next year. But this looks like a really great time. Yeah, I completely agree. The next thing I had on my list that I'm also pretty excited about was Uncharted 4, A Thief's End and Lost Legacy are getting a remastered collection for PS5 and PC. I don't think I've replayed Uncharted 4. I know I haven't played Lost Legacy twice. So these are games I'll absolutely replay on the PS5, especially if I'm getting some fresh trophies. <laughs> of course. No, Uncharted 4, 4 was amazing. I never played Lost Legacy. I know you wanted me to play that like a million oh, times. Dude, it's so good. Um, Yeah, now I have the chance to do that. Nadine I, and Chloe, two of my favorite characters yeah, in the no, whole series. Great. I, I'm excited to replay for it as well. Mm-hmm. It was such a good story. I had a few more between Uncharted. 
Um, there was that Ghostwire Tokyo game that he, just looks insane. Yeah, and I don't know terrifying. what's. I don't know what's going on there. Um, that if I mean if that's within the genre of horror, then that might be a fun one to play together. It mm-hmm. looks just so over the top, and the combat kind of looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So that one could be fun. It, yeah. I'm guessing it's a single player. But if that's even just a couch co-op, that could be cool. Yeah, that does look pretty interesting. Whenever I'm willing to play a, th- a horror game, jump on it. Yeah, no kidding. Because <laughs> it's very rare. Got to take advantage of those opportunities. Um, there was that cool vampire like blood hunt game yeah, that looked this, interesting. This multiplayer focus thing doesn't really do much for me. I It's not for me, but it's an interesting take on kind of the online play. Because mm-hmm. most of it's with guns and like Fortnite and whatever the other one was. Yeah, I just having vampires, like monsters fighting each other could be cool. Yeah. Um, and then the last one was the Tachia. Oh, yes. Which I think this is the second trailer that we saw of it. But it's the one where it's, I, I, is it cell shaded? Little cell shaded, almost looks like Moana the game. Exactly. And then you jump into animals and you kind of just fly around, walk yeah. around. Yeah, this looks awesome. Very big, rusty type of game. Looks like there's kind of some Breath of the Wild elements in terms of like you get your little parachute thing when you jump off of cliffs yeah, and stuff to fly yeah. around. This just looks like a super wholesome experience. Yeah, very relaxing, stressful day of work. Come home and jump into Chia. Yeah, no, I'm totally on board with that one. That looks great. Yeah, and then I, for me, I just have the main three huge games after that at the end of the show. Okay, yeah, just a yeah. couple quick things I'll run through here. Epic Games, my boy Alan Wake is coming back October yes. 5th. Love that game on the 360. I even got the collector's edition where you got the the DLC, I think, code. You also got that um, giant-ass book in the little collection thing. So I really enjoyed my time with Alan Wake uh, on the Xbox 360. I never watched Twin Peaks, but apparently it has... A lot of Twin Peaks um, vibes, if you will. Uh, it, it, it think it's a product of its time. You know, I don't know if it's going to hold up nowadays or not because it wasn't something that I was ever itching to replay. Yeah. Where when I look at the Resident Evil or Silent Hill or Dead Space games, those to me are, are things or experiences I'd like to revisit. You know, to see how they hold up over time. And even something like Resident Evil 4, that game is timeless in my eyes. And I don't know if Alan Wake is that type of game or experience, but we'll see. I'm absolutely going to replay that on PS5 uh, during the spooky season because I only have a couple games queued up that I'd like to play during the horror month. So that'll be a fun one to revisit, I think. Nice. Yeah, I took that off my list. I mean, I've heard that name so many times over the years, but I've never... What is it? Vampire hunting? It's never been really my genre. No, you're trying to look or find your wife. And so you have the main mechanic of the game is you have a gun and a flashlight. And there's like these ghost-like creatures that you have to basically use your flashlight to kind of stun them. And then you shoot them with your gun. Okay. Definitely not my scene. It's kind of psychedelic and weird. And you don't really know what's reality and what's what's actually happening. Um, But it's it's a really interesting game. And I enjoyed it. So I'm I'm happy for whoever likes that. And I'm not sure if the um, not the undead nightmare, but whatever, like the soft sequel DLC that also came after the first game, if that's going to be part of this, um, this remaster that's coming on PS5 and and other platforms um, or not. But if it is, then I'm looking forward to playing that because I never ended up getting that on the 360. So um, Alan Wake, good stuff. And then. Gran Turismo 7, the most photorealistic video game maybe ever created. Uh, this just looks 
it stunning, looked phenomenal. insane. And the customization was the thing that really stood out to me. Yeah, I, I've never been a fan of the Gran Turismo games. I, I'm not really into the the simulate simulation like racers. I like my kart racers. I like my Diddy Kongs and uh, maybe a burnout because all the destruction. But. Yeah, that kind of stuff. But it's coming on my birthday. I'm not going to get this at launch, but it could be something down the line that I consider picking up. This is also a game I could see coming on PlayStation Plus, you know, a year after it releases or a couple months after it releases just to kind of get some extra um, hands on the game. Speaking of PlayStation Plus, uh, so I know for the first year of, or like this year, they're releasing a PlayStation game, right, for each month. Is that how it works? You mean a PlayStation 5 game? They're all PlayStation Yeah, PlayStation, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were releasing the Xbox games on PlayStation Plus. No, a uh, PlayStation 5 game on Plus. Is that? Do you know if that carries into next year, or is that just kind of the first launch year? If I had to guess, as they um, as we get further away from the PS4 generation, I think there'll probably be more PS5 games coming on to PlayStation Plus. But yeah, certainly right now, it's it's two PlayStation 4 games and one PlayStation 5 game. Okay, cool. So, um, I think that'll absolutely continue into next year. And I hope, too, the PlayStation Plus collection um, that debuted with the launch of the PS5, where it's kind of like the PS4 like generation greatest games. hits. Yeah, I hope they expand on that library. I was actually fully anticipating as part of this conference that they were going to say, hey, 10 more games or 8 more games or 5 more games are you know added on to PlayStation Plus collection right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's probably coming down the pipeline. Yeah, I don't probably. think PlayStation is worried about or focused on competing with Game Pass right now, but I think that collection is is certainly a nice way to get people who maybe didn't have a PlayStation 4 but bought right into 5 yeah. can kind of catch up on that generation. And that definitely encompasses like that generation's best games. Oh, I think so. Yeah, for sure. Um Good stuff. So then outside of that, we got more Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, that That's a game I don't really need to see more than once, you know? Yeah, I mean, after a fucking 20-minute trailer taking up an entire conference. Yeah. I like how they pared it down. I, I didn't think the comedy hit with me at all. No. Um, unfortunately, that's something I'm probably not going to buy. I'll probably buy the other Marvel one that we'll talk about a little bit later, later on. But, mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's... Guardians of the Galaxy, the movie was fun. The comedy was great, but it's translated into a video game. It didn't, it wasn't good for me. Yeah, I'm with you. Not a game I'm going to buy day one, but similar to Marvel's The Avengers, I was really surprised after, um, was it Crystal Dynamics? They put a lot more work into that game post launch, and I really enjoyed the story. So maybe Guardians will hit in a similar way for me um, a couple months after uh, it launches for sure. And then Deathloop. Being reviewed so well, really happy for that team. Looking forward to picking up a copy probably later this fall. Yeah, no, I I will definitely get that. Um, I'm not going to pay full price just because backlog is so deep at mm-hmm. this point. Um, but it looked amazing. Yeah. And then uh, we kind of, I think it was Herman Holst maybe came on the screen and started talking about, you know, the games that are in development for PS5 and you can't get the games wherever else. Just, you know, they're marketing speak type of deal. And then we went into, um, we saw the Insomniac logo. Yes. And the music that queued up definitely didn't in any way resemble something I would expect from a Spider-Man trailer. Mm. And you're in this bar, there's a bunch of dudes laying around that had clearly been gotten the the hell beat out of them and you zoom into the back of this guy wearing a flannel shirt um sitting up at a bar with and i was like cowboy hat on. with a cowboy hat and i didn't immediately strike me as like oh this is going to be wolverine but i was watching the kind of funny crew react to it and uh andy cortez was like yo that's wolverine yeah it like 
I saw the broken down bar after this. I saw Marvel and then I saw the broken down bar. I'm like, this could be Wolverine. This is like clearly out. This is the first time we met Hugh Jackman, X-Men one way back in the day. And then it panned over him at the bar and then his bloody knuckles. I was like, please just like shoot them out of your fists. Like, please. And then it did it. I was like, <laughs> I can finally murder people as Wolverine. Yeah, that w- that trailer kicked so much ass. Definitely a huge surprise. No leaks. No one had any idea this was coming. And what the fuck, Insomniac? Like, how are you doing this? Uh, in the past year, we've gotten Marvel Spider-Man remastered, Miles Morales, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. We got a Spider-Man 2 trailer we'll talk about here shortly. And they have a Wolverine game in development. They're crushing it. Like, one of the best investments that PlayStation ever made, or Sony, or whoever the parent company was that was involved with the purchase of Insomniac, I think they got the company for, like, 238 mil or something like that. What a steal. I mean, and what I love about Insomniac, I've always had a tremendous amount of respect for that development team, dating back to the PlayStation 1 with your Spyros, and then the PlayStation 2 with your Ratchet and Clanks, and then with 3, while I never got deep into the Resistance series, I certainly have appreciation for the weapon variety because it reminds me of stuff like Perfect Dark. And then you get into PS4, you got Ratchet and Clank from 2016, you've got Spidey from 2018. What a hell of a debut. Well, like, after this, so, Ratchet and Clank, this was my first kind of dive into that, and like I fucking loved Resistance games, and you—I mean, you were par- talking about Perfect Dark and like how great the variety is. My first kind of chunk of random guns that do things was that Resistance game, and then seeing now that they were also Ratchet and Clank with that huge variety of things, it, it makes so much more sense to me. Yeah, why you like those games? Oh yeah. Um, and what's crazy too, um about insomniac and why i have such a tremendous amount of respect for the team is that um while i haven't corroborated this with everyone that is a developer there but there's no crunch with ratchet and clank rift apart multiple people post launch said yeah there was no crunch you know i put in my 40 hours sometimes i i worked a couple more hours but i was paid overtime and i never felt like i needed to pull out a sleeping bag and stay here for four weeks to lead up to launch you know um so especially in today's landscape with game development and working from home like i yeah. can see that being a huge issue such a greater appreciation for them not um having any crunch and for the, especially for the number of games they have in development right now it's nuts but wolverine okay so i have a little bit of a blurb here and then i have some questions for you ryan so okay i, I was let down that we also didn't get a fourth game from insomniac that they're working on infamous and resistance 4 but I have to tailor my expectations. <laughs> well, and to be fair, Sucker Punch is developer of an infamous. And they're, okay. well, you better believe they're working on Ghost of Tsushima 2 right now. Oh, shit. I guess, uh, yeah, I mixed those up. But, yes. Yeah, they, they need to probably pitch that to another smaller developer for, like, an infamous remake or to revive that character. But with something like Spider-Man and that open world environment you know having such a similarity to spider-man mm-hmm. or infamous having such a similarity I mean, to having Spider-Man, all the assets built for the most part would be i mean you could plug and play some of those buildings i know but i just again they're very similar type experiences mm-hmm. and i just don't think with what sony's trying to accomplish with the playstation 5 and the games that they're making there's really no place for infamous right now in my eyes 
Okay. That's not to say I don't want another Infamous game. I'm just saying it doesn't make sense for them to focus their efforts making one when they have Spider-Man 2 coming out. All right. So then just Spider-Man, like similar to Miles Morales, let me just electrocute shit for a little bit. Yeah. And I'll I'll get my fix. Exactly. Miles is going to be hooking you up with that electricity power type of stuff. But I got a little bit of a blurb here for Wolverine. And then I do want to talk about our thoughts on what this game is going to look like. So this new game is being directed by Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales Brian Horton and Cameron Christian and Insomniac's goal is to quote not only respect the DNA of what makes the character so popular but also look for opportunities to make it feel fresh and truly reflect the Insomniac spirit. So my biggest question for this you know coming off the heels of Spider-Man and Miles Morales where you have so much freedom to wander the city of Manhattan is Will this be more of a linear story-driven experience or do you think we're going to have, you know, Wolverine's motorcycle and we're going to be able to have a little bit of freedom to drive around to missions? I don't think this is going to be full open world similar to Spider-Man. I think they'll probably have like smaller town size places to explore. Yeah. Um, I could see this. I mean, he has his metal claws in the trailer. I could see it almost being like an X-Men two going back to him and whatever his brother's name, is, the beast guy mm-hmm. um, with his bone claws and just kind of like an origin story. And maybe that bar scene being closer to the end of the game. Could like, be. Yeah. Um, that I'd be cool with that. Just like, because he goes through so much torment with all of that and just like the crazy shit he does. I could see him being like, this is a more feral Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And then coming into maybe if they want to tease an X-Men game eventually down the line because they have all of these other games and like the Marvel and stuff. And if we're bringing X-Men into the cinematic universe eventually, I could see this being his first origin story into a greater X-Men like hey, Professor X shows up at the end kind mm, of thing. And yeah. go to the manor. That, I mean, that could be cool. I mean, this is kind of where you meet Rogue is in the bar, mm-hmm. right? That would be a really cool introduction. That'd be pretty sweet. I would love them to kind of not necessarily tie it into like the first movie. But I mean, if you certainly go to the manor and you meet Professor X and all of that kind of stuff, I mean, just – the satisfaction for someone like you and me who grew up watching the X-Men movies, they're goofy. I don't know if they hold up. It's been like a decade since I've watched any of the the first three movies, but I know I certainly love the original three. And it also had the biggest man crush on um, uh, Hugh Jackman growing up. I mean, yeah. the guy's a beast. I love him. Um, and he is just in the same way that I can't see. I don't know, I'm trying to think of another actor tied to a particular character, Iron Man and, and Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. And the same way that Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man, Hugh Jackman is Wolverine. Or know? Aragon. Or Aragorn. Aragorn. Well, no one can touch Vigo. Right. Yeah, exactly. It was supposed to be a different actor. Yeah. And like seeing that it was like a younger actor, his face placed on like all of these scenes, there's no way. Yeah. He is he is my Aragorn. Well, absolutely. Um, my king. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I mean, I, I'm with you. I think it'll probably be more of a focused story and narrative. I don't see this being open world, but I totally could see, you know, in certain sections, you're able to get on your motorcycle, ride to wherever you need to go to complete whatever mission that might be. And in that, you might have some free form. You know, you might be able to get off your bike and go beat up a bunch of people on the side of the road or something. I don't know. I just don't see this being a Grand Theft Auto experience. No, I, I 
Because I feel like it would be ruined if it was more fetch questy. Because yeah. I don't see the Wolverine character as someone who's going to give a shit about fetching stuff. He's going to be like, "What? Who are you?" Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I see it as it's more of a pointed story. Yeah, but I mean, is there anyone else that you would have rather Insomniac taken from the the, the MCU and done like a solo game? Mm, that's a very good question. Because Wolverine for me is Wolverine just... is probably top of the list. Yeah. Um, especially because we haven't seen much X Men stuff. I mean, we've got all the X Men movies with the kids, mm-hmm. but like that's not as. This is going back to like the OG X Men stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I love Wolverine. And there's been some fun X Men games in the past. Like I didn't play. I think one of them was called Wolverine's Revenge or something on the PS2 where Hugh Jackman's face, it had like kind of a blue tint to the case, if I remember that box art well enough. And then the X-Men Legends games, I really enjoyed those. Those were kind of like top down um, Diablo type um, swap in, swap out beat em up games. Okay. Those were fun. And then I think X-Men Origins that tied into the movie of the same name came out on PS3 360. I never played that either. And... (laughs) Shortly after watching this trailer, as Rusty typically does, I was like, all right, now i got to clean up on the Wolverine games. <laughs> oh, no. I didn't end up buying any of them because <laughs> Wolverine Origins is a pretty expensive game nowadays. So I passed on that one. But maybe uh, that PS2 game, I'm sure it pr- holds up pretty well nowadays. I'm just, just for the main dudes, I'm trying to think who would have a fun game. Like Black Widow, I could see that more being like an Assassin's Creed kind of Hitman type style game. Mm-hmm. A uh, Legolist guy, I don't know what you'd do with him because he's just... Hawkeye? Yeah, Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, no. Maybe a sidekick to the Black Widow story. Mm. Um, Hulk, it would probably get really old to smash shit. Yeah. Uh, but I could also see that it would probably be an inferior prototype game. Because at least prototype like that infestation game uh, last gen- uh, two generations ago... Um, you had different variations to how your thing could smash. Well, what I love about Wolverine is that he has such a, a broken past. There's so yeah. much stuff story-wise that they could go deep into, like his brother in the war. Like some of that origin stuff was a little goofy and weird in terms of the way they filmed it. Yeah. But I think it there's just an endless amount of possibilities with what they could do story-wise to see why is he such a rough, um, you know, and broken person. You know, why yeah. is he so mad? And why is he at a bar all the time getting drunk and stuff like that? Yeah, it could be emotional on top of action-based. Yeah, and in a similar way that Spider-Man can be incredibly emotional at times mm-hmm. with his storytelling, I think Wolverine is is, is a perfect character to dive deeper into that more um, kind of emotional side of things. Yeah, and Thor could be cool, like it, beautiful, but we already got that with God of War. And yeah. then Iron Man, I think what the movement would be awesome. Because there was that game, I don't know, the one, the EA game that failed, that was very similar to how I expected like an Iron Man game to play. Mm. Um, but I don't see him as a very good character to get a ton of a raw motion out of. He's kind of just a blank, not a blank slate, but I think Wolverine, if you're going to start diving into individual characters, is a great starting point. Yeah. No, I'm super pumped. So that was hopefully a... they kick it out of the park or hit it out of the park. I'm sure they will. Some baseball analogy. Yeah. <laughs> kick it into the field and the goals and whatever. Spike uh, it eventually. I don't fucking know. Yeah, exactly. Sports All right. Ball. Spider-Man 2, Ryan. What yes. did you think? Did you? So 
When I, the people I was watching, they totally thought it was going to be infamous when they saw the electricity. Well, that's the only reason I brought it up because I'm like, I, I didn't really notice that at first. And I'm like, that game, I missed those games. And that's, yeah. But yeah. I mean, the second I saw Spider-Man and like Miles fighting some villains, I was like, okay, cool. Like this isn't going to be D. I don't, I didn't think it was going to be DLC. Um, and it was the set was very dark, so it wasn't enclosed enough to have like the how we thought like the main villain kind of stuff that came in post credits in the first. I'm trying not to spoil anything, but like there is obviously a clear villain direction that they're going towards the end of Miles Morales, like post credit stuff, and then the first one, and it the set that they were showing was not big enough to really showcase any of that character mm-hmm. um so i was like hopefully it's not going to be a dlc for miles morales no it's yeah it's spider-man 2 no, exactly it, but like my thoughts going into like seeing how it was presented oh and then they showed i'm guessing similar to like the first one there's multiple villains um and then venom came into this scene when he said us or whatever his normal phrase and i'm like this could be a lot of fun yeah i'm totally on board with this i i could see myself replaying spider-man every single year in the same way that i pretty much go through the first three uncharted games i make it kind of a a ritual at this point to go through those three games just because they're they're popcorn fun and flying around manhattan as spider-man just feels so damn good i mean oh my word spider-man 2 on ps2 was great but they just took you know traversal and everything like that to the next level feels incredibly satisfying so uh miles morales was so good one of my favorite games last year absolutely and uh this trailer definitely gets me hyped i think 2023 makes sense with other games they have in the pipeline and coming off the coattails of something like um rift apart i know they have i think at least two different development teams which makes sense that they have um, all of these games in development, and they've been able to have so many successful launches in the last year. But I take another blurb from IGN that I think is really interesting and such um, a sweet nod to um, this person here. So this again comes from IGN. It says, after looking close, closer at the shot at the beginning of the trailer, yeah. this editor noticed the street name located in the center of the image above. It was Goodman Street. This is a subtle reference to Craig Goodman, an influential employee at Insomniac Games that tragically passed away two years ago. Craig was a major component at Insomniac and had a significant hand in the development of every Insomniac property since 2002. Wow. A main part of why the company was purchased by Sony and became a first-party developer, Insomniac has memorialized him in Spider-Man, Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, and now Spider-Man 2. That's awesome. Which it just shows their not only attention to detail, but how much they truly care about the people that work on their games. Yeah. That's just... It's it's really good to see. Oh my goodness. So perfect. So Especially when everyone's talking about crunch and like how it's a rough industry to be in. Mm-hmm. To see like the developers, I, I almost said little developers, but just to, seeing developers care mm-hmm. is it's a nice... You love that kind of stuff. I do. So... It hits you in the feels. It does. Um, so I got a couple other things here, Ryan, and just stop me at any time we can talk about it. But I kind of want to dissect the trailer just a little bit okay. um, for anyone that hasn't watched it yet. Um, or if you watch it, kind of a refresher here. So the entire trailer features a voiceover of a man with a thick accent. The man talks about his search for an equal, 
a person that could push, surprise, and even beat him. This man is none other than Kraven the Hunter, one of Spider-Man's most popular villains. In the comics, Kraven and Spidey have battled numerous times. Kraven is always in search of a new game to hunt and sets his sights on his ultimate prize, Spider-Man. Including Kraven as a villain in Spider-Man 2 is incredibly exciting, according to this uh, editor, and I think for myself as well, even though he's one of Spider-Man's biggest enemies, he hasn't been included in a lot outside of the comic books, which I can attest because I'm not familiar with the Spider-Man comics, and Craven is a new name to me. Yeah, that's a new name to me as well. Um, and so they said probably the most exciting part of the trailer comes at the end when Craven calls out to the two Spider-Men, quote, will one of you finally give me what I desire? So yes, then the trailer ends with the Venom reveal, and we also know then that it is definitely Spider-Man 2 coming 2023, Ryan. You pumped? I am very pumped. Yeah, I'm... The first one was so good. Um, I mean, I played, I think, Spider-Man 2 back in the day, and that was kind of my main, I guess, Spider-Man experience. And then this one came out, and it just blew me away. And then Miles Morales was great. Uh, story wasn't as strong for a protagonist, but or antagonist. Um, but this one looks great. I could see. I mean, based off of. I mean, I didn't pick up on all that the first time I watched the trailer, but I could see Spidey, Miles, and Venom almost teaming up against this Hunter. Mm. Because the way it sounds like the Hunter's gonna. I mean, maybe his main goal is to go after the Spider Men, and then. I mean, if Venom enters the picture and is like, yeah, I'm kind of the main ticket item, maybe he's, yeah. I could see either them, the Hunter and them teaming up against Venom or Venom with the Spider-Man teaming up against the Hunter. Yeah, that'd be an interesting dynamic. And then you have to wonder too, then are you going to get to control Venom? And then are they going to humanize Eddie Brock in a way where you really sympathize with his character too? Yeah. You know, so... A uh, lot of variables here for this game, a lot of potential villains. Uh, I love how brief of a tease that it was, you know, introducing Craven and Venom in a way that it's like, okay, this is the a big freaking deal, especially yeah. what was teased at the end of Spidey 1 and Miles Morales. This is going to be a packed game. Yeah, it is. They're not messing around. And I, I can't remember. So, like, his friend's dad is the Green Goblin, right? What does that company do? Like, because I could almost see them getting excited about Venom coming into the fray and trying to use them as experiments. And that I'm not really sure. He just, he's like a multi-million dollar. He's just a business guy who does shady shit, (laughs) like the normal villain in Marvel. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, there's a lot of different ways that this could go. Yeah. Um, It would be fun. I mean, playing as Miles was a change up to playing as Peter. Um, In the Venom movies, they really tried to humanize Venom as a syndicate um, and then also as a, a character. So it would be cool if you could play as Venom and then add that to your kind of army of spider people. That'd be sweet. To play as. Because, I mean, that would change. With Miles Morales, they added the electricity and a lot of different moves. Throw it on its head and add in Venom, which oh, yeah. is so different. I mean, you don't have the swing, but you have jumping from building to building just 
wreaking havoc. Well, you better believe, too, with Insomniac, they are going to make sure that character feels so satisfying to play as. What if the introduction to him was actually you playing as Venom fighting the Spider-Man? Like, because that would be, like, how you do that backstory, how you, similar to how in the first Spider-Man you split up to three different stories. Yeah, and then it's kind of like Fast and Furious by the end. They're all good friends. They're all family. Drinking Coronas and (laughs) eating hot dogs. Yeah, racing cars. (laughs) Dude, ridiculous going to space. Yeah, could be. Yeah. Spidey in space. Spider-Man 3. I mean, it happened in the Venom movie. I think they're going to launch it into space because that's where he's from. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of different ways. Um, As far as coming out in a year from now or 2023 with no specific date... I don't care. Mm-hmm. As long as it's great. It's been a few years since Spider-Man, the same year as God of War. Was that 18 or was it 19? They were both 18, which is why the Game Awards was so difficult. Because yeah. what do you give Game of the Year to when both Spidey and God of War come out? I mean, okay. I'm going to give the upper hand to God of War. Yeah. But, I mean, Spider-Man is just one of the most fun times I've had playing a video game in so, long so long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a long development cycle, but... it. These last couple of years have kind of been a shit show when it comes to like development just for any industry. So, yeah, as long as it turns out well, Amazing Story holds up to the same quality that the first game does. And I mean, Miles, for the most part, mechanically, then, yeah, I'm pretty excited. Me too. <clears throat> Excuse me. Me too. Coughing on my LaCroix over here. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, what do you say we completely punt the Ragnarok trailer to our spoiler section? Because literally anything we talk about this game is spoiler territory for anyone that hasn't played God of War. Yes. So let's punt that to a little bit later in the show. So stay tuned. And please, I implore you, if you have not played God of War, you want to go into that game spoiler free. I was not spoiler free and it still blew my little freaking mind. So I can't even imagine if I walked into that game not knowing anything that was going to go down, how more my mind would have just like been blown. Like me playing it literally in a weekend the day it came out. It, like, yeah, it was... It's mind-blowing. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, overall, I think it was a solid conference all around. A little slow in the middle, but I think certainly with the KOTOR announcement to kick things off, ending with Ragnarok, Spider-Man 2, and Wolverine, really bookended it well. So I'm hoping we get at least one more um, conference before the end of the year. Highly doubt it. Maybe a state of play for something like uh, Forbidden West, since that comes out in February, I believe. But. We will see definitely a lot of fun things in the pipeline for uh, from PlayStation Studios. So good stuff there. But Ryan, as we always do in the New Talk Brothers podcast, we talk about the games that we have been playing recently. What have you been playing this past couple of weeks? Yeah, I actually beat two games over the last couple of weeks. You f- you feeling okay, dude? It's it's been an off couple of weeks, two, I guess. Two weeks, two games. You're- yeah, it's big. Wow. Right. <laughs> I mean, I think I went the first like couple months this year without beating anything. Yeah, so, you did. Yeah, and these aren't like sm- I guess small games. The one was a JRPG. So I finished up Monster Hunter Stories Two, um, which is I think around a 30, 45 hour game or thirty eight to forty five hour game. Um, I really enjoyed my time with it. Uh, it was just a ton of fun. There is end game, which is kind of finalizing your team and making sure like different to pokemon there's a gene system which makes sense is how you get all of your new monsties is through hatching eggs mm-hmm. but like each eggs you ha- each egg you have you have like a little three by three punnant square which you can kind of slot in to 
the monsters to upgrade them. Mm-hmm. So like if I want to attack boost large, I can put that into a monster and I get one rid of one of my monsters that have it. Um, it, it's a, it's a, it can be as complex as you want it to be. It doesn't bog down the main story. I kind of, I beat the main story without getting super in depth to it. Um, but obviously post game, you're getting the highest level monsters in the highest dungeons now, but mm-hmm. overall the story was great. I really enjoyed my time with it. Um, yeah, I think it's worth playing. If you like Pokemon or you think Pokemon is getting, the formula is getting stale for you. I think it's. More simplified when it comes to typing, but it's a change up that I think is worth playing. Okay, um, so question for you: I asked you a similar question when you played Monster Hunter Rise earlier this year, and I asked, do you think that's the most newcomer-friendly Monster Hunter game in the series, or do you think Monster Hunter World is the more newcomer-friendly? And I think you kind of, I think these are completely different genres. Okay, so mo- so this is like a turn-based Pokemon-style collects monsters, kill monsters. But with the mechanics of Monster Hunter where you collect their parts and make better weapons and better armor to protect you. Imagine just Pokemon attacking the player as well to their monster. Okay. That's so, kind of so like Charizard, he does a flamethrower, but it's an AoE that hits the entire field. So your player has health and a level, and then your Pokemon have a player, like uh health barn levels. Now I'm well versed in acronyms, but just for the listeners' sake, AOE, what does that mean? Area of effect. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. So like it's hitting multiple targets. Mm-hmm. So like Earthquake in Pokemon hits AOE. So it can hit three players on the field if you're doing a double battle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. So given all of their differences in acronyms and all that good stuff, what would you suggest people to go out and buy, get the best bang for the buck, fun factor between Monster Hunter Rise and Stories 2? <clears throat> I, I think Stories 2. Um, Rise post finishing the main story and like the two like like bonus monsters or maybe six bonus monsters that they added Mm -hmm. it's kind of been a dry it's it's been dry on content post launch what did you feel desire to go back to after credits rolled did you think stories two you're like oh man i'm gonna jump back in that right now or did rise when that wrapped up you're like oh man i'm ready to go to the end game i think the end game loop for rise being the mainline story game where you're grinding out weapons and it gets more complex with like very specific gems you put into your stuff Mm -hmm. the end game loop in like a mainline world or rise is a lot longer okay um but that's i mean you i think like the randomization of those mechanics are a lot longer than mainline but grinding out genes or grinding out eggs and higher level dungeons could also be i think Maybe Rick and Ben have played like 150 hours. I You complete this story at 45. So they've played an extra 100 hours in post-launch. Jeez, it's crazy. Um, but as far as world goes, like I think Ben's at like 1,000 hours, and I'm at 400 going Whoa. through world and Iceborne. So I think world is probably my favorite Monster Hunter so far. I've played three. I've played... Like normal Monster Hunter mainline stuff, which is Rise and World and Iceborne. I I lumped that in. And then the off-brand kind of side stories game is the other one. I'd say World is still my favorite. It's just fucking beautiful. And you never played um, the PSP or 3DS games, did you? I did not, no. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, sounds like Stories (laughs) 2 is probably the way to go for people uh, if you had to get one versus the other. But I'm sure Rise is certainly worth getting to it. I'm sure 
we will be hearing about these games in the game of the year conversation in a couple months. Yes, especially because I'll have like 10 beaten games. <laughs> <laughs> By default. But, yes, but that's not to say they're bad games. I, I really enjoyed my time with stories. And if you want to change a pace and you love the Monster Hunter universe, mm-hmm. this would be a fun game. Cool. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Good stuff. And what's the second game you beat? Uh, the, I, so I was rummaging through your vast wealth of games, mm-hmm. and I found this like weird kind of indie game, yeah. Ratchet and Clank. A little under the radar. Yeah, Rift Apart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I ended up picking that up, I think, l- two weekends ago. Yeah, it would have been two weeks ago, yeah. Um, and, oh, God, it was fantastic. So this is my first Ratchet and Clank game. I kind of knew, I mean, it was a platformer was kind of how I looked at it. And I I mixed this up with some of the other IPs when it comes to PlayStation platformers. Um, what was that like sleuthing game, like with the blue dude with the little hook? Sly Cooper. Yeah. So I mixed this one up with Sly Cooper um, because it's that kind of formula of you have the main dude and a sidekick mm-hmm. kind of feel. Um, but watching... Whatever the release trailer was with all of the debris in that kind of starting zone that you play, it's fantastic. Yeah. Like, it's, like, even, I'm I'm not going to spoil anything, but, like, the final fight, there is a final fight because it's, like, a boss. But there are so many things on screen, so much debris. Like, at some points, I mean, you also have your little nuts and bolts and rat, whatever, flying at you because you're collecting those, like, equivalent of coins mm-hmm. there's so much on screen it's like what the fuck is even going on yeah it's certainly a spectacle of a game and you even had a little bit of that in the 2016 ratchet and clank where sometimes you know you're just spraying bullets or whatever weapon you're using bolts are flying everywhere there's debris coming off of the weapon or the enemies you're fighting sometimes you really can't even tell what's going on on screen but i think that's the chaos of ratchet and clank that's what makes it so fun it was great and i mean i think i, I mentioned it earlier with the resistance games, I loved those, like the variation in those weapons, like mm-hmm. snipers that shoot through walls, things that explode, regular machine guns, that kind of stuff. Perfect Dark did it first with the far sight, all right? Yeah, but the inferior was Perfect Dark as well. And then, so, but like now seeing this colorful uh, Lombax and his little robot friend shooting these just crazy freaking guns. It's so drastically different than the atmosphere of Resistance, where it's just fucking aliens out of the ground taking over the world. Bunch of gr- it's kind of like Fallout versus Oblivion, mm. like in the the level of color and contrast. Yeah, um, and I I love this. It was amazing. Um, let me talk about guns, and then I can talk about characters. Guns were great. I eventually. Towards the end, I wanted to feel out all the guns, so I just took some time, ground out each one of the levels to see how they worked, and kind of found what my strategy would be towards like event that eventual final boss. Mm. And similar to what I did in Oblivion, I went with this more summoning route. What are you even talking about Dude, right now? Dude, there's strategy to this shit. So oh my gosh. What I did was, because I wanted to come in there with an army, and I'm like fucking the master lombax just coming in to kill you never do anything half-assed no i don't i i there was a good strategy so if you're gonna be a beast listen to this oh so you fast forward three minutes you know yeah yeah yeah. um so i there were three guns that i use as kind of my preppers 
just to like form my army. You get a spreadsheet for this shit? I didn't, unfortunately. Maybe if there were like a bit more guns, I probably would have started a spreadsheet, but I found my strategy through grinding. Okay. So there's, I don't know if you use this one at all in your your strategy, but there was one where you could summon little like chompy dudes. Yeah, that that's something that's been in Ratchet and Clank for years. Yeah, so that what I what you can do is that one at max level shoots out five per bullet times five bullets in your thing. You can have an army of 25 little fucking T-Rex dudes behind you as you run into battle. Plus, there's this little, like, fungus thing. And at max level, it shoots out two. And the max you can have is, like, six. So you waste three bullets. You still have three in your magazine, or two in your magazine. So you have 25 chompers. You have six fungi. And then you can also throw in two drones at max level. So you have an army that's just ready to spray down like a ton of damage. Your DPS is great. What does that mean? Damage per second. Okay, I was asking for the listeners. And then what you can do is then there's two things that can actually in like a multiply multi I'm getting too excited. There's multi damage multiplier. Take a deep breath, bro. Multipliers. Fuck. Uh that you can put on the uh enemy. So there is like a leaf dude, like a leaf gun that you basically like leaf up the dude. And then there- <laughs> and then there's also there's a like- dude that's a leaf and you leaf the dude that's a leaf. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I've holy shit. You want to just relax. I got my no, I got my third cup of coffee on the break that we just took when you were going to the bathroom for the sixth time. Uh-huh. And like uh, I haven't had enough water to offset the like hype and caffeine that I'm feeling. So God of War will be interesting, but Clearly. So you have those two multiplier, you have those two guns. This is like super bros all over again. Yeah, and so those basically do a huge increase to the amount of damage when you're hitting it with other bullets. So you have 25 dudes, six dudes, and then two drones on the things that increase the damage. Plus you get a chain gun that creates portals. Holy crap, like you melt things. There was a T-Rex boss... That you see multiple times, so it's not really a spoiler. Holy crap. It was like a 15-second death. Tops. So, yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of fun with the guns. That I Just do, say it. I, I maxed out every gun, every tree. I believe it. You know, yeah. I love that for you. <laughs> I'm glad you're happy because I could give two shits about listening to this anymore. <laughs> My strategy for playing Ratchet and Clank <laughs> jump on stuff. was to have fun. Okay, well, I had fun. If your fun is doing whatever the hell you just said, then I love that for well, you. The, so the thing is, I, I went through the first T-Rex boss on the medium difficulty, and there was like a Kamehameha wave gun, and it did too much damage to the point where I'm like, I don't want to just steamroll this game. I want to have some level of difficulty to it. And I know it's not for everyone. So I ended up ja- like jacking it up to the highest difficulty. So it's higher stakes. And it was just a ton of fun. So I had to go into some of these boss battles with the strategy of how do I actually win on the hardest difficulty? Because mm-hmm. it was maybe like an hour or two in that I ended up cranking it up. Okay. Well, so. let's talk about those characters. <laughs> yeah, so now. characters are also a portion of this game. And I mean, I... Did you have a strategy for enjoying their company? Like, walk <laughs> yeah. me through that. If I didn't meet Rivet at a specific time, she was just dead to me. Jeez. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I have no zero experience with these characters. Um, 
so getting to know really it was Ratchet and Clank for like 10 minutes mm. before shit hits the fan. So you didn't really get a ton of experience with them, but they jump into this new character, Rivet, who is just fantastic. She's the best. She is. And similar to you, I enjoyed her more than Ratchet's Mm -hmm. story. And throughout each one of the worlds that you go to, you switch off between the characters. So you kind of get a combination of the two before the eventual climax of the story. But overall, yeah, she's great. Good, dude. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad you liked Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. I hope you go back and at least play the 2016 game, kind of a reimagining of the first game in the series on PS2. I'm a huge fan of the Ratchet and Clank games, dating back specifically to that first trilogy of games on PS2. I've been meaning to revisit the first three. I have the RNC collection on PS3, um, and Going Commando was always my favorite. I only played Up Your Arsenal multiplayer with friends. Because the uh, there was a multiplayer component <laughs> yeah. to that. I never played the the story of Up Your Arsenal. Going Commando was... Because um, Going Commando had New Game Plus. Mm-hmm. That was like during the era where New Game Plus wasn't just an expectation for games. It was still kind of a yeah. new thing. So to be able to kind of go through the story of Ratchet and Clank in a fraction of the time with all of your weapons and all of them being upgraded was just such a unique thing at the time. Um, so it'd be fun to kind of re- revisit some of those and then certainly for you, I think Ratchet and Clank 2016, Lauren actually just beat that earlier this week. Okay. And she yeah. really enjoyed that one. So that'd Good. be fun for you. Yeah. So to get the platinum trophy, which is like the first platinum I've gotten in a while, um, you have to go into New Game Plus to get guns. And uh, there's Omega versions of the other guns. I don't know what that means or if you know what that means. Okay. <laughs> Shaking your head. No. <laughs> no. Um, the one thing I wish they would have on New Game Plus is because to start the new game, it says let's create a challenge mode. Mm-hmm. I wish there were kind of difficulty multipliers. Like you can get rid of like ammo depletes twice as fast or you take twice as much damage opposed to like just the sliders. Cause there's no more difficulty than what I've already beaten, but that's a very lame gripe and it, I don't hold it against the game at all. Okay, cool. Um, well, I'm but, sure yeah, it was fantastic. I think the only downside to the game was, I mean, Insomniac's working on literally everything under the sun. So some of the um, like barriers or collision was a little off for me in some places, but that's a very small gripe. Cool. It didn't ruin anything for the enjoyment. Good deal. But yeah, go uh, play this game. It's fantastic. Uh, let us know your strategies on <laughs> your guns. Please don't. <laughs> Please don't. But if yeah. you feel so compelled, write them in to Otaku Brothers Podcast at gmail.com and make sure in the subject header you say, please read Ryan, just so that I don't. Yeah, only Ryan will care about this. <laughs> so I don't have to worry about that kind of craziness. Yeah. But um, good stuff. Yeah. And if you're out there and you don't have a PS5, you don't plan on getting one anytime soon, but maybe you have a PS4 laying around, pick up RNC 2016. Um, I say 2016 because it's just titled Ratchet and Clank. And otherwise, you might get that confused with the very first game. But that one holds up really well. Just came out a few years ago and still, again, is like a Pixar movie come to video game life. So a lot of fun. Nice. Now, anything else this week you've been playing, Ryan? No, I think that's about it. Um, For me, I don't know where I'm going after this video game wise. Mm -hmm. It's kind of up in the air. Um, I'm about halfway through the second Ori, Will, the Wisps. So I have about 12 hours left of that one and i mean i have a giant backlog i'm picking up final fantasy 7 from you but Mm. there's Mm -hmm. a few other like kana coming out this week 
Um, so we'll see. I, I'm not 100% set on what I'll be playing next, but it'll be a good game, I'm sure. Awesome. Yeah, the cool thing is that we will have impressions for Cannon Bridge of Spirits here in two weeks. Uh, I imagine both of us will probably maybe finish it by then. I don't suspect this game is going to be more than 10 to 12 hours. Yeah. Um, maybe it's 15 to 20. I just, that game seems like more of a, a shorter experience, but we'll see. You know, I am so excited. I think it was maybe my number three most anticipated game coming into this year. So that's going to be a really fun time for sure. But for me this week uh, or the past two weeks, I did end up getting credits in Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's a masterpiece. You know, it's like trying to talk about Super Mario 64 or something on that level where it's like, what can you say that hasn't already been said? I composed a beat tweet for the friends over at Polykill on Twitter. So I will just go ahead and read that. And I'm hoping, Ryan, that you finish it before year's end so that, you know, when we get to game of the year conversation or similar to what we're doing for God of War, we can just do a blowout episode talking about it. Maybe bring someone like Chrono Link on a good friend of the show because it's one of his favorite games of all time. I'm sure. pretty sure it was his game of the year last year. And I know he has as many he does about most things. He has a lot to say about it. Oh, I'm sure. Especially because his character is one of the characters or his little uh, logo. Yeah, that's right. Aerith. Yes. So my beat tweet says Final Fantasy VII Remake is an absolute masterpiece. A gripping story, incredible cast of characters, combat is swift and satisfying, and it has one of the best soundtracks I've ever heard. An unforgettable beginning to a journey I cannot wait to continue. Nice. So um, definitely ends, I wouldn't even say abruptly, but it definitely was one of those things that I was hungry for more after the credits rolled. I have not played or downloaded the the Intergrade or Intermission, whatever that Yuffie DLC is. Mm -hmm. I hope to do that before the end of the year for sure, especially just I think it'll add additional context to our conversation when we do kind of a full-on review of it. But um it was one of those things that I needed to kind of just digest the base game experience mm-hmm. uh, before I jump right back into something like that. So Yeah, and from where I've heard, it ends in a really good place before transitioning mm. <clears throat> until the rest of the game. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to play it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Cool. And then outside of that, kind of riding the hype waves of, you know, I watched the three Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, Sam Raimi directed. Um, and, of course, that was really in response to the the trailer for no way home and i ended up buying a number of games on ebay uh, spider-man games you know specifically and one of them being the amazing spider-man so this is the game based on the movie of the same name with andrew garfield emma stone uh came out you know uh, gosh maybe about eight ten years ago at this point i don't remember a darn thing about those movies but what i can say with absolute confidence is that the amazing spider-man is a fun video game good Uh, It really reminds me a lot of Spider-Man 2 on the PS2, Xbox, um, GameCube. It doesn't do anything exceedingly well, but you do get to freely swing around Manhattan. And then oftentimes you'll either go into the sewers or these Oscorp labs and you have the very corridor beat-em-up focused type of Spider-Man game you might expect. They have the counter system from the Arkham Batman games. So you have a little um, Spidey sense thing over your head when someone's coming in for a hit. You, you hit the counter button to either dodge it or perform a counter move type of deal. So um, overall, it's fun. I'm about halfway through. I'm actually playing on the hardest difficulty for this one what? because there's um, stacked trophies, if you can believe it. So if you beat it on easy, you get a bronze. <laughs> if you get it, beat it on I'm normal. I'm rolling my eyes over here. 
hey, people have to listen to your craziness about strategies and spreadsheets to. That's fair enough. Monst- I'm not doing it for trophies though. To monsties or whatever, and you know you have, yeah. you have to hear my yeah. uh, trophy strats over here. Yeah. But so there's a stack of trophies for difficulties. I hate difficulty trophies, mm-hmm. but this is one where it's really not too terribly hard. Okay, and it That's really. Good. To get through certain sections of the game, you have to do it in a stealthy fashion, which is one of my That's favorite. Yeah. Which is one of my favorite things about um, Insomniac Spider-Man is when you had those warehouse levels, which mm. there's a frick ton of them. Um, I loved approaching those in a stealthy fashion. You know, yeah. hiding on the ceilings, you know, jumping down, um, webbing them to the ceiling, all that kind of stuff. And I've been able to do that pretty successfully. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, I don't know if I'm going to focus on beating that or not or get into this other game that I briefly played and started. We'll see what happens. But I started Assassin's Creed Valhalla. How is that? I kind of swore off the Assassin's Creed series. I think the last one I played beginning to end was... Brotherhood. Maybe. Yeah, I got the Ezio collection for PS4, which has like, uh, what, one, two, and Brotherhood or two, Brotherhood and revelations or whatever the heck that other one was um and then coming out of kingdom hearts 3 we liked the boat one so we went to black flag and realized it was inferior to kingdom hearts yeah so we didn't really stick with that i played a lot of three on 360 but then it like glitched out on a mission and i had to like repeat a lot of lost progress and i'm like screw this i'm not i'm not replaying Did you look at the ending of that one no, I did get a remaster for PS4, Xbox One. Okay. So that's one I want to go back because I love the Revolutionary War era of that game. Um, I love the premise, so I do want to eventually return to that one. I mean, I love the setting of all the Assassin's Creed games. Yeah. It's more the idea of actually playing them that I struggle with <laughs> because yeah. I hate the breaking of immersion with the Animus type bullshit. Like when... You have an opening sequence that's super awesome. You're in Rome. You're in the Revolutionary War. You're in wherever. You're in Egypt. And then you're reminded after like an hour of gameplay, you're actually in the Matrix and someone's, you know, sucks the pipe out of the back you're of your head. You're looking for your old ancestors to figure out how to take on the corp. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, come on. Well, thankfully, Valhalla, I think the developers at Ubisoft probably have taken that criticism to heart. And there's like a literal 10 second snippet where you hear voices of people talking in like a laboratory mm-hmm. that kind of gets at the whole ancestral like stuff yeah but you don't actually have to get pulled out you're that bald-headed dude walking around where you have to talk to each person in the lab coat and then you jump back into the animus or whatever yeah because i thought the premise was like you're a prisoner or something i know the first three got like really weird mm-hmm. towards the end um but yeah no i i completely agree yeah they, so they fortunately just- Valhalla doesn't really break that immersion. The opening cinematic is awesome. You're playing as this young boy. You're basically in a Game of Thrones set, right? Where you have all these Vikings around. They're all celebrating a recent victory, drinking a lot of hearty ale. And you're just this young boy kind of making your way around talking to certain people. And then someone runs in and says, you know, whoever's attacking. I think it's like the English or something like that. And your dad gets killed. Your mom gets murdered. And that kind of is your motivation to grow up and take revenge on the English. Um, It's a really well done cinematic. And then kind of the opening hour of gameplay, which is what I've played to this point, controls really well. When I played um, Origins, which I think is the one set in Egypt, Egypt I just felt like it controlled so much differently than the earlier Assassin's Creed games that it was kind of 
off-putting for me. That was also their first more RPG game. So yeah. it was like, hey, we're going to break the formula, and then this is going to be Rusty's first experience in our Yes, yeah, so that for me was just, I didn't really, I wasn't on board with it. Yeah. But playing Valhalla, like, I don't want to make the comparison quality-wise, but it feels like I'm playing The Witcher 3. Like, the way the map is set up, quests, the way those are handled, um, and even combat to a certain degree. I, I've played an hour, and I put over 85 hours in The Witcher 3. Yeah. So, it's apples to oranges comparison at this point, but initial impressions, it feels a lot like The Witcher 3. Okay. And in terms of a time sink, it's it's up there with The Witchers of the world. Yeah, like, I think they said they wanted to make it shorter because the complaint with Odyssey was it was too long, and they ended up making it longer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. But the reason why I was so deep into this uh, experience or wanted to play is coming off of God of War with the Norse mythology um, or Greek? What is Norse. It's Norse. Norse. And that kind of is somewhat played into with Valhalla, I think. Yeah, they're the same gods. Yeah. That um, I was like, oh, I just, I want more of that. And I also want the freedom to, because God of War is one of those games where it's like headphones off, no podcasting, no nothing. But this is a game that's very complimentary to listening to a podcast, have a Twitch stream up. Exactly. Just running around, collecting stuff on the map, doing side quests, things like that. So, um, Kana is definitely going to complicate progress on that, yeah. but I also think playing something like Kana and then having like a after hours play a couple hours of Valhalla while I'm listening to some Twitch stuff because I feel like Kana is going to also be no podcast, kind yeah, story driven when it's adorable. So you want to focus that, and then Pete stream the game is going to be Valhalla. That's drop everything. Pete streaming, you got to listen. Oh, okay, cl- just focus on his face, clear the schedule. Like- <laughs> yeah, um, fair enough. But yeah, no, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I know a lot of people um, have grown tired with the series. I'm certainly one of those people. But if it's been, if you're like me and the last Assassin's Creed game you played was something like um, 2 or Brotherhood or even um, Black Flag, Valhalla has a really interesting premise. The story gripped me from the beginning and combat feels tight, controls well. So maybe a jumping on point for people that haven't played a game in the series for a while and uh, again, it's a long ass game, but it's also perfectly compliment compliments. Complimentary. What am I, yeah, to even having something like Netflix up, you okay. know. Um, so yeah, Valhalla has been good times. And then uh, similar to what drove me to play Valhalla, having beaten 2018's God of War, I'm like, you know what? And then of course watching the documentary. Yeah. I'm like, let's go back to the humble beginnings. I have the God of War Saga collection, which has the first three games. It has a download code for the two PSP games. Unfortunately, that download code has expired, but I also have the PS3 copy of the Origins collection or whatever the heck it's titled, which has those two PSP games on a disc. Okay. But anyway, so I went back and played the first God of War, a game I actually never finished uh, when I played it originally. So, and I was really late to the party. This was kind of when I started to get back into YouTube, mm-hmm. was going to half price books and um, just picking up some odds and ends in my collection that I, or finding games that I never played, but I know were held in really high regard. Okay. God of War was one of those games that my friend had growing up. It just seemed way too over the top. Not something that I really had a whole lot of interest in at the time. I don't, I was probably playing like the Ratchet and Clanks, Jack and Daxter, Sly Coopers of the world then. In 2005, the original God of War, like I knew what it did for video games. I knew people were giving it tens across the board. Um, And I'm sure I probably even played a little bit at my friend's house. Mm -hmm. 
But it wasn't like I want to do eight to ten hours. Wait, of that. God of War one got like tens across the board. Oh yeah, really? Oh yeah. Shit. I mean, and again, so having revisited it, I'm literally at the very end. Um, spoiler alert from us for a 16 year old <laughs> yeah. game, but I'm like in the depths of Hades area okay. where there's just red shit everywhere. You're climbing these thorny poles and you're getting ready to fight Ares, I believe, <laughs> to become God of War. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, spoiler. Yeah, so it's just, you know, you go from area to area, a lot of them kind of look the exact same. These deserted areas, or you go down into these, like, um, dungeon-type places, you fight waves and waves of enemies. There's only maybe, like, 10 to 12 different types of enemies, not a whole lot of variety there, and you just take the Blades of Chaos and rip through these people. Kratos is so fucking angry about everything in the world, (laughs) he's just constantly screaming, but it's also one of those things that you have to look at the time and place it came out, and how it was tremendously influential in the games that came after. And the same way or at least in a similar way to when Dark Souls came out. Demon Souls didn't really take off. It was kind of very niche, catered yeah. to a specific group. But Dark Souls really made it into the mainstream market of people. And so when God of War came out, it spawned kind of like a God of War type game. And the same way that nowadays it spawned Souls-like video so what, games. I mean, I know of Dante's Inferno, which is very similar to yeah. God of War. What's another example of that? One I know a lot of people pointed to was Castlevania Lords of Shadow, which was a kind of reimagining or rebooting of the Castlevania series for PS3 and 360. I never played that. I just know that it was very similar in where, um, yes, you're going kind of this grand adventure, but you were kind of just running through and whacking a bunch of dudes. Um, I'm sure if you go to Google and type in games like God of War from 2005, it would spawn a heaping ton list of games. Probably similar to like how GTA spawned off a bunch of things. Exactly. You know, you look at Hit hit and Run was kind of like the, the GTA clone. I mean, when there was a formula that worked, especially during that PS2 era, a lot of developers ran with that, right? God, our Grand Theft Auto, God of War, those games were the things that everyone was talking about at the time. And so um, it just, you know, kind of led to a, a number of clones, if you will. It's fun. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm enjoying my time with it. And I'm certainly kind of like taking off of one hat and putting on another, knowing full well that this was not going to match the level of quality of the 2018 game. Yeah. But in a similar way, again, apples to oranges comparison. But you look at something like Super Mario 64. Now, I know people, most people that listen to this podcast will fall on a sword for that game, but the camera is terrible. Oh, it's jank as hell. And it just doesn't play really well because of that. It, it gets in the way. You give someone that grew up in 2000 or was born in 2006, 2010, whatever, and you put Mario 64 in their hands and then you put something like Odyssey in their hands. Yes, you see how that game has evolved, the controls, the camera, all of the above. But Super Mario 64 was incredibly influential for 3D video games, platformers, and everything else. Yeah. So it's a product of its time, uh, but God of War, I think, is still fun. I eventually want to go through and play the second game. I've never. So out of the other ones, have you played two or three at all? I've beaten three. Three. Yeah. I never played two, though. Okay. Um, It's similar to me. I've only beaten. I beat three, 
because I probably wasn't allowed to play the first two. And I'm sure, I mean, if my mom knew the whole bathtub scene or whatever in the third one, I probably wouldn't be allowed to play that. But Mm -hmm. I played three and I really loved it. It was just beautiful. Mm -hmm. At the time, that was probably one of the prettiest games. Like the Poseidon fight at the beginning is just great. Well, and I think three, it kind of always outdoes itself with the scale of what's happening. Like it's just insane. With each subsequent boss, the Hercules thing was just way too over the top. It was. When you're like bashing his head in. That was just. face into pulp. Yeah. One doesn't have a whole lot of that. I mean, it's still pretty intense, but like um, there is one scene where like there's these two girls in a bed and there's like a little sex mini game. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, I think three has that as well. And they've definitely changed who Kratos is moving into the new series Mm -hmm. and i think it's amazing well that's a great you know transition point so kind of getting into god of war 2018 this first half of the conversation is going to be completely spoiler free you will know when ryan and i get into spoiler territory because uh, we'll have a little transitionary segment and then in addition to that you can look in the timestamps if you wanted to go directly into the spoiler filled discussion but For anyone that's listened to this podcast for um, any inkling amount of time, you'll know that, you know, we started this show in 2018, which is when the game came out. And early on, you got it the weekend it came out. Mm -hmm. And I remember being over at your your first apartment where we recorded probably the first, you know, six to eight episodes of the show or something like that. The squeaky table. And I remember (laughs) you picked it up. I went over to your place after work and we just sat on your couch and played it until like 11 or 12 at night. Which yeah. I don't even, even to this day, know a game that has come out at launch that I just sat there. Well, Last of Us Part Two, actually. That's yeah. the last game where I just, I got it at launch and I just like put the headphones on, lights out, and just fully immerse myself in that experience. You beat that in a weekend as well, right? I did, yeah. yeah. And I looked at your trophies. I went back and looked at your trophies and saw that from the first trophy you get in God of War to the one where you get when you beat the game was literally like two and a half days. <laughs> Yeah, there. I did nothing. Yeah, like it was just God of War. <laughs> Which for a game like this, though, it I totally understand now. You know, and yeah, and um, that's why it was so hard to see you stream it and cut it up into segments. And I mean, nothing against Twitch or your streams, but like you have to fully immerse. And looking at chats on the side takes away from like the two dwarves that were talking. Mm-hmm. Like you miss out on a lot of that humor because you're looking at, hey, who's talking about what other games in the chat? Yeah. And having you, I mean, it took you two years or two and a half years to get here, but now that you started fully immersing yourself in it, it I'm glad. Well, and that's what I want to get at is, you know, those first few hours that I played of the game was and kind of putting it down for well over a year was never a reflection on the game's quality. I just, I know when I approach a certain game, I can play it for a couple hours or so and know whether or not it's going to be a game for me. Yeah. Or I can even watch the trailer and know whether it's going to be a game for me or not. Um, This was absolutely a game I knew was for me, but I wasn't in the right frame of mind to play it. In the same way that Ghost of Tsushima last year, I played... Horizon, really. Yeah, I played for like five or eight hours and I'm just like, you know what? I love what they're doing here, but I'm just not in the frame of mind to go deep on this right now. And so I put it down for well over a year. And then with all the hype surrounding Ragnarok, um, I was kind of in a weird um, fatigue place with video games the past couple of weeks of not knowing really what to play. Played a couple platformers. That's kind of what I tend to do when I have a lull period with stuff. And I'm like, let's just give this one more shot. All right. And I was just all in. 
I played for like an hour and there was some stupid puzzle that I was just really fed up with during my last attempt at going deep on this game. And it was one of those stupid things where I had to look up at the ceiling and tell Atreus to shoot an arrow at one of those blue orbs. Mm -hmm. That's all it was. So you didn't start over. You just kept on going from where you were. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, which I don't think significantly impacted my experience because still staying in the non-spoiler territory of things, I feel like this is one of the most brilliantly paced video games I've ever played. You know, you talk your criticisms of you, you shared your criticisms about Last of Us Part Two, where you feel like halfway through the game, you're kind of leading up to this climactic moment and then you go back to square one. And it kind of just really impacted your your enjoyment of it because you felt like the pacing was completely reset. Mm-hmm. Right. And for God of War, I feel like you're always climbing this literal and figurative mountain of pacing and yeah. just in, insane, like I would say, major hype moments that continue to push you along narratively, um, but also with the combat, the things they introduce, weapons you get, you know, the the armor upgrades and all of that type of stuff. So, um, yeah, no, I completely that. Yeah, that's a good comparison. It's with those big moments. You're it's like you're grabbing on a new ledge mm-hmm. on that mountain that you're climbing with the father and son mm-hmm. and eventually climbing that rising action to the climax before you taper off into the kind of quick finale or send off into the future and yeah i completely agree the pacing was fantastic yeah and i don't think there's only one thing that really irritated me throughout the course of the game and so puzzles, i kind of just probably. what's that puzzles i'm guessing no surprisingly like after i got over that like initial one i just the thing about puzzles especially in uncharted tomb raider the pathless and certainly something like god of war like this isn't the fucking witness like this isn't something that is built from the ground up to be a puzzle experience this is something that has environmental puzzles that are meant to um just add to the overall experience right and they're always staring you right in the face Mm -hmm. they're never that complicated and the the moment i start to get irritated and frustrated and say what am i supposed to do it's one of those things where i almost need to like put the controller down walk downstairs heat up my coffee get another cup of coffee get a beer whatever it is and just walk away and come back with a fresh set of eyes and be like rusty that stupid blue orb was there the whole time (laughs) do you find i mean because i i don't think when you played ratchet and not to transition to ratchet and clank but talking about puzzles there were a lot of puzzles in ratchet and clank rift apart and i don't remember you complaining about those puzzles Mm -hmm. but i remember you complaining about uncharted force puzzles it almost seems like the puzzles become more detrimental to your experience when it's more photorealistic of a design because whatever the orb or the thing that you're supposed to turn blends better into the background. It could be, yeah, because I've played a lot of puzzle platformers and even more recently I've played some some puzzle platformers uh, and that never seems to like break the immersion because I, I kind of just expect that, I guess, in the game mm-hmm. where it's like, if I'm playing something like God of War, I don't want to say it breaks immersion because there's very little in this game, if ever, do I feel like I'm breaking immersion. Especially with that singular camera. With the singular camera, right? You know, you never go into a cutscene. The game is a cutscene, yeah. right? It's all one, you know, integrated experience. So you never feel like, oh, yep, yeah, we got to pull out of this and then we got to go to a loading screen for 30 seconds. It's like, no, it's it's all one thing. Um. So yeah, I think that's absolutely a fair call out that maybe it's just 
more distracting for me in these more narrative focused type experiences as opposed to Ratchet and Clank or Mail Mole or one of those other stupid ass games <laughs> I've been playing over the past couple of months. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think that's definitely a fair call out. But no, so getting back to like the one thing that irritated me, is this a 10 out of 10 game? I think it probably is, mm-hmm. right? There's very few games that I, I'd label like, yo, that's 10 out of 10 because I could even look at something like The Last of Us Part Two. I have a lot of gripes with that. I'd probably come in at a nine for that. Does that that come down having played God of War? No, I I would look at each experience completely separate. Okay. Yeah. No, and that's, no, because I mean, that's, no, I can't base my review score off of another game experience. I have to look at it. Uh, I mean, the only reason I say, I mean, they're completely different genres. It's comparing quality to quality and like the pacing of this compared to the pacing of that. I've played them in opposite order than you did. I played God of War first, and then I played Last of Us 2 second. And I had played Horizon as well, which I think has pretty good pacing from what I remember. I mean, that's... I, I can't help but compare, like, what are supposed to be quality AAA games, and that's the only reason I ask. I mean, I think for me, I look at those different games, Horizon, Last of Us Part Two, Ghost of Tsushima for that matter, and God of War... And I think narratively, they're just trying to do very different things. Horizon is building the story around this open world structure in a similar way that Ghost of Tsushima is. But The Last of Us Part Two, the open world is meant to kind of like just be a way to guide you on this very emotional story in a similar way that God of War is. Mm-hmm. But they're telling very different stories. Uh, I think Last of Us Part One is I, is what I would compare narratively more to God of War because you have this like it's this definitely more linear this parent child type relationship, um, and I think narratively they just are are more similar than Last of Us Part Two. I'd agree to God of War. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so getting back to the thing that irritates me about God of War, and it's really only one thing I would say, is I feel like the menu system is a complete mess. Like I never even understood like when I should upgrade certain things, if it was really benefiting me. Like, I know they have the the green plus marks and the red minus marks when your your damage or your dexterity or your health or whatever was getting better or worse as a, you know, when upgrading a certain piece of armor. But I just felt like there was just so much stuff going on in the menu system, so many potential things you can upgrade. It just didn't seem intuitive to me at all. Um, And that's my biggest frustration. And for me though, I just I didn't treat that as like a detriment to my experience in the same way that like I didn't give a lick of attention to the upgrade shit in Final Fantasy 13. That's one of my favorite games of all time. And there's a whole upgrade system there with your weapons that I basically just mashed the X button to what sounded cool to me at the time. (laughs) Like the Crystarium system, the leveling up system, I love. But when you actually went to like the vendors and the markets to upgrade your individual weapons, that type of stuff I did not sink my teeth into i was just like that's there but it's complicated to me and it doesn't seem intuitive to me so i'm just not going to mess around with it and it's not going to bother my experience no i could completely see that um like it was kind of odd that your your character's level was based off of your armor which never was intuitive Mm -hmm. i i completely agree the color wise they still have the basic like rpg color scheme which is like colorless to green to blue to purple to gold Mm mm-hmm but yeah, I could, I could see that. Yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, 
I, I feel like I'm going to be pretty hyperbolic with the things that I say about this game. It's brilliant pacing, some of the best I've ever seen in a, in a narrative-driven game. Um, another comment that I'll make that might seem extreme to some, I think combat-wise, this is some of the most satisfying combat I've ever played in an action game. Not yeah. necessarily an RPG or, you know, throw any other genre out there, but from like a purely action-based video game, the combat is just supremely satisfying. One of the best things they ever did for Kratos was to go away with the old and bring him this axe, right? Mm -hmm. The very beginning of the game, even listening to the documentary, and I don't think this is getting into spoiler territory at all, listening to that, the chopping of the axe with Kratos putting it on the boat and taking it and eventually burning it was symbolic of them taking the old formula of God of War with those first three games and burning it and starting fresh. And I love that because not only is it great symbolism, but it's very true. You play God of War, which I've done. I wonder for the context for this conversation and you play the, the 2018 game. They're completely different video games. Sure. Some of the characters carry over, but in terms of what they're trying to accomplish and how it plays, they're completely different. Yeah, and, and I think 18 piggybacks very well off of what was established to grow the characters in their overall arcs. You have the less refined, the more just fucking rage-filled, screaming Kratos in his angered youth, and then he kind of tailors down into this new adulthood more responsible, I guess, mm -hmm. a version of himself. And that completely 180s the characters, the pacing, just the approach to the games. And I think they did a great job of doing that. Yeah. So before we get into the spoiler-filled conversation, I have a question for you. Okay. So playing something like this, seeing a complete rebooting of a fan-favorite character in that PS2 era with Kratos in the God of War series... Is there a particular character or series that you feel like could greatly benefit from a complete reboot? And what do you think that would look like? Or otherwise asked, do you think there's a developer you want to see take a significant leap or change in direction in terms of the games they develop, like Gorilla, who had the Killzone series, and then they go and make something like Horizon? I know it's a tough question, and I'd actually really love to get responses from the listeners. So if you are listening to the podcast, write us an email at otalkabotherspodcast at gmail.com or get in on the Discord because I feel like it's rare that we see developers, especially in today's day and age of development and worrying about the bottom line, where a studio will fund someone's vision for completely rebooting something like God of War. They took a tremendous risk with this. It paid off tremendously for them. Yeah. But it was still a risk nonetheless. And I just wonder, is there a character or series out there that could benefit? Either it's been long dormant or you look at something like the Assassin's Creed series where it was the same type of game for years. And then they kind of moved more to this open world narrative RPG type experience. I'm just wondering if there's a series out there that could benefit from that or a developer that it's like, can you please stop making the same game every year and, well, do, and do something different? I mean, I'm just looking at your shelves because I'm like going through every franchise in my mind and it's like, I, I'd say Halo probably. Yeah. That seems to be the biggest one. They're saying they're doing open world. Um, 
coming off of Ratchet and Clank, I really like the RPG system when it comes to upgrading your guns, or at least through use. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think adding some of those elements. I know Halo fans are gonna fucking shit on that, but like for me, my love of Halo has diminished completely. Like it, it peaked. I didn't really. I was one was before my time. Two was like my time and then three i took off school to mm-hmm. play it um but then you get into like four reach was great too but like you get into like four and five and it's just gone downhill so much that i think changing the genre whether it's just for single player and then have multiplayer be what it's always been which is great um I would love to see an RPG. Well, not, Halo, not like Halo Wars, which is more of... Strategy. Yeah, strategy, but like an RPG version of Halo... Like Borderlands, too. Like you upgrade your weapons and stuff. Yeah, Halo is probably the first thing that came to mind for me as well. Um, and in a very similar way with Kratos, who I didn't really care about in the PS2 era. Yeah. You know, I didn't really care about the story or anything like that. I just... I knew what I got from those experiences, which was just... <laughs> Beating up a bunch of dudes, having cool weapons, and, you know, it's kind of fun to do it for, you know, six to eight hours. But Halo, I don't know if I've ever cared about the story in Halo either, but I also know that I love playing on Legendary. I love squatting up with my buddy on the couch, Mountain Dew, all the fixins, having a good time. But I also wonder, like, how cool would it be if they gave me a reason to really care about the person behind the mask yeah, or the helmet? You know, if they gave me a reason to really care about Master Chief in a way that they've made me care about Kratos, I think that would be really cool. I don't see 343 going down that path. I know Infinite is not going to be that game. I think they're going to be making some changes to the game structurally that might benefit it, especially coming away from a five that a lot of people didn't like. Yeah, I think the issue with that is like for open world and playing, I mean, couch co-op on Legendary, the fun part is couch co-op and like going into this new game it for me the experience would be ruined by not being able to explore that with someone because it's not at launch going to have couch Mm co-op um yeah i was similar i didn't really care about kratos i love greek mythology and just mythology in general yeah which was kind of my draw to i don't need to play the first two games i played three because it came out when i was into games and i was old enough to play it and i kind of just watched videos to play it because it's interesting to have the Greek gods versus someone who they've screwed over mm-hmm. because it's, it's a really messy lore and Zeus is just a complete asshole through like all the mythology. So having someone battling the gods is just a cool concept in me or that I, I find interesting. Um, but leading up to like playing 18, all I did was, Hey, I want a story recap of literally the first three games of God of war plus the PSP if they matter Mm -hmm. and then go in and then I can transition into the more story base where I start to care about the character of Kratos more so. Yeah. No, it's like, I think Halo is a good pick and, um, your synopsis of God of war certainly makes sense too. But yeah, I would love to hear from other people because, you know, my mind was going in a number of different directions. One of the other things that I was kind of thinking about was I love Rockstar to take a risk. That development team has created some of the most influential games in in the history of video games, particularly, you know, in that PS2 uh, 360 era, you know, that really decade of time where you got Grand Theft Auto 3, Vice City, San Andreas, Bully, The Warriors, 
Red Dead Redemption, GTA 4, and then eventually GTA 5, and they've just been riding the the money waves of GTA 5 online for two to three console generations I, at I this feel point. Like GTA 5 is another Skyrim. I mean, the whole joke is, like, I saw a meme this week, which was like, a time traveler goes through time and he sees like Skyrim's coming out this week. And he's like, what year am I? <laughs> Cause it's like fucking 12 years that that could be. Yeah. And like, yeah, GTA five is, I mean, a great game. Um, but yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Well, and so what I was thinking of, like in the same way that insomniac got the rights to make a Spider-Man game. And I don't know the rights between, um, ownership of of movies and this and that and all the other nonsense that goes in between. But I think it would be so cool for Rockstar to get the rights to build on an already existing IP. And the first thing that came to mind, because the trailer for the fourth movie just released, but like, I think it would be really neat for Rockstar to 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 make a Matrix game from the, the ground up. Oh, shit. I don't know. Really cool. I don't know why my mind was going that way. I mean, we already have Enter the Matrix. We have the Path of Neo and stuff like that. But I wonder if there would even be a way that they could get the Wachowskis to come on and pen a script for a, a game built in the Matrix universe, but maybe wasn't about Neo or something. What was that one Xbox exclusive game where you're between two different realities? The Medium. What if there was something like that? type of thing but between matrix and then the real world i mean that might and very like, well be what the fourth movie is about it might be a parallel universe yeah, type of thing probably but, but that, that could be a cool way of approaching it basing kind of the approach in a similar manner yeah i don't know i would love for rockstar to take a risk and, and do something interesting um outside of the grand theft auto side of things probably won't happen anytime soon but just something that popped in my head so please yeah get at us on the discord right into the podcast you know, maybe next episode, Ryan and I can dive a little bit deeper into that conversation. But it's something that was just like I was kicking my around my head while I was playing God of War. Like, man, how cool would it be if Master Chief got rebooted or like, yeah. you know, some other fan favorite franchise from the late 90s or the early 2000s um, in a unique way? And we just saw a different side of that character or series. So. Yeah, I mean, you could have like SpongeBob from Bikini Bottom just pick up swords and just murder people. Just go in the rogue, most violent way yeah. possible. SpongeBob cross Mad like Mad Max. You yeah, know? just be nuts. I could see it. Yeah, Patrick's just like disemboweled on screen. You're like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> and then that's his revenge against Plankton. Yeah, He's just a serial killer. Oh, the little piece of shit. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting topic of discussion for sure. So get us get at us on Discord. But I think that concludes our spoiler-free thoughts on God of War, Ryan. Yes. You have anything else to say? Any parting words related to that? No, I I think just no. We can get into spoilers. Just overall non-spoiler. Just play the game. It's great if you haven't, especially now that you kind of have a ticking time bomb to play before the second one comes out. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Ryan, without further ado, what do you say we go deep into spoiler territory for 2018's God of War? Hell yeah.
All right, Ryan, we are in the spoiler territory for God of War. Yes, we are. So if you are still here because you couldn't reach the, the press pause button or for whatever reason, and you have not played God of War 2018... Uh, maybe you just don't care about spoilers, and I guess that's fine, but I would implore you to press pause, go play that game, and then maybe come back and listen to our spoiler-filled discussion. Ryan, I feel like we've talked pretty uh, extensively already about at least what I wanted to say about God of War. Yeah, I think we we covered the overall mechanics complaints and like looking at the past, but mm-hmm. w- what are your kind of main kind of aha or like story beats that you found to be just either over the top or just amazing. Well, one of the things that struck me most, we probably could have included this in the spoiler-free territory, but I just appreciated the attention to detail and how how much of an emphasis they placed on story, not just with the broader moments that happen in the game, but even when you're going from point A to B in the boat mm-hmm. and either Mamir is telling a story, Kratos is telling a story, or Atreus is just asking a prompting question or probing yeah. question. And they go on this monologue about something, whether he's talking about his mom or the events of like the first three games, basically, and why he is the way he is. You get to your destination. And so often I found myself hopping off and he's like, oh, we're here. We'll get back to that later. But then I'm like, there were times where I was like, no, this is this is really engaging. I want to hear what they say. And I just, you know, go around in circles a little bit or I just pause and wait there. And it was interesting because during playtesting, players would do that. They'd, instead of pressing circle to kind of land on shore, they would just sit there and not move and listen. And so Corey and the team were like, oh shit, it's it's not clear that they're supposed to press circle. Like they were freaking out like, oh, yeah. we need to change this because it's it's not evident that they're meant to go on shore here and this is where they need to go. And then they went up and would ask the playtesters like, do you not understand what to do or what do we need to change? Like, no, he, he was just telling something really interesting and I wanted to listen. Yeah. And and that's when Corey was <laughs> like, we fucking did it. Like, <laughs> Like that's that's well, one like of those information dumps are so hard to like pace well. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it comes off as like they're preaching to you, just like, hey, you need to like this game, and here's why. But like having, especially when you're going around this beautiful world and having those stories told by a fucking head on your belt, mm-hmm. like it, yeah, it's it's great, and there's a lot of humor infused into it. So much, and, and it hits every yeah. time. It always lands. I mean, one of my favorite characters is Brock, who's one of the blacksmiths. You have, yeah. um, I think his name is Sundry, is the brother. I think so, yeah. So one of them is like a germaphobe in Sundry, and Brock is just <laughs> yeah. like this rugged dude, yeah. right? And I remember there were times where, you know, he'd perform an upgrade to my axe or something like that, and then I would just stand there, and he's like, well, do you need me to do anything else? And he's like, no. And then he'd sit, just be like, well, then get the fuck away. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, fuck off yeah. or whatever. You know, and just, man, I don't know, just these developers like Santa Monica, I just, I tip my hat to them because it would have been so easy for them to have like dozens of characters that they'd introduce you to over the course of the game. But there's really like eight, maybe, you know, you have Kratos, Atreus, Brock, Sundry, Mimir, Freya, and then like the- and then- Maybe the two brothers of Thor. Yeah, exactly. Or the sons of the Thor. Sons of Thor. Yeah. Like it's it's pretty it's insane that a thirty hour game really revolves around like eight to ten characters. Yeah. And you really only come into contact with those eight to ten people at any time. It's not like some of these open world experiences like The Witcher, where over the course of the game you're gonna talk to like four thousand people or whatever. Yeah, it, you know? It, they don't throw in NPCs just to have them. Yeah. 
Like it, everyone is meant to be there. And like, you see the blacksmiths everywhere and you're just kind of like, how the fuck did you get from that realm to that realm? And they're like, well, you know, <laughs> sorry, do you want me to upgrade your axe? Yeah, they're they like, just... I don't give a shit. What do you want? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I love the self-awareness of that, of like, dude, you're playing a video game. Okay. Don't ask questions. <laughs> yeah. Like, like we have a back door to other realms. Like get off my back. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think the boat stuff and just how much exposition and, and narrative they infused into places you didn't expect it was yeah. awesome and super well done and i think that's what made the documentary so interesting is i mean it all comes together to this phenomenal game of the year worthy game and i think winner of the game of the year but like to see the prep and the thought and how it changed from the start of their kind of concept and like Everyone coming into their studio from like a studio that closed and being like, fuck, what are we going to do with all these bodies? Like, how do we make this game great? And just that ever changing vision to what it became. It was just an interesting two hour kind of over three years. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. And then another piece I want to get into before I consider my four major hype moments was just the chemistry between Christopher Judge, who voices Kratos, and yes. Sonny, the young boy. And I loved how the documentary went into casting Sonny and then eventually not knowing who to cast as Kratos. And then uh, Corey Barlog, of course, the director of the game, when they found Christopher Judge and they even interviewed him about like, you know, what were your thoughts when you were reading the script? And he was just like, I had to call my agent back and say, I thought you told me this was a video game. Like, this seems like a TV script, Yeah, you know? And he goes in and then just seeing those initial interactions when they kind of had like a chemistry test Mm -hmm. between the two and they just immediately hit off, hit it off was just awesome. Um, Because I don't think this game works unless those two have good chemistry behind the camera and certainly making its way into the video game in a very similar way that... I don't think The Last of Us is as emotionally impactful if Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson, who play um, Joel and Ellie, Mm -hmm. don't also have outstanding chemistry. Yeah, and even if the dynamic of the actors are so much different than the actual characters they're playing, that camaraderie plays into the role that they're portraying. When I think they had a playfulness with each other um, when they were in the the room like recording their voices. Mm -hmm. Although that doesn't come across as much with Kratos because he's so like boy exactly, but I still felt like Sonny's Atreus portrayal is very much still trying to like very much the actor you know yeah. chip away at his like hardness basically you know yeah. just being so one note which I love and eventually there's like one point in the game where Kratos actually chuckles and I think something I, Atreus says yeah. um so that type of stuff is just again so special. Um, but all of that aside, I really have like four hype moments and none of these would work if you didn't have the buildup and those early hours of the game, giving us a reason to care about this boy named Atreus, who we'd never seen in a previous God of War game and Kratos, who we always knew just being the guy that screams a lot and kills a lot of things. I mean, cause a lot of time has transpired between the end of three where basically all of Greece has gone to shit because God or uh, Kratos has killed every god in the pantheon. Like the world, there's tornadoes, the world's on fire, and then all of a sudden he's in the Norse kind of realm. He has a son, he had a wife, and there's like zero plot that kind of develops, and it's just sticking you in there and then making you care about those characters so quickly. Mm-hmm. Just right out of the gate is 
really well done. Yeah, no, for sure. And so my first kind of major hype moment is just when Atreus falls sick and he stays with Freya and then you really see a different side of Kratos in terms of in the same way that most parents are of like, I will swim across the sea if it means I can see my kid one more time or if it means I can help save them. And that's basically where Kratos is just like all hands on deck. This boy means everything to me. I'm going to go find whatever Freya says I need to provide a cure for him. Um, And that kind of leads into the next piece of it when he's like, if I have to go to this realm where it's basically Antarctica, this frozen realm, he's like, I have to dig up what I swore I would never do again or whatever the heck. And this is one of those things where I've fallen in love with the axe so much. I can't imagine using any other weapon right? Because it's just so satisfying to use. And even how dynamic and fluid it is to chuck your axe at an enemy, then run forward, use your fists and your shield to beat them up a little bit, and then whipping your axe back to yourself and continuing to use that. It's like, how could you introduce anything else into combat to make this any more fun? And then Corey Barlog's like, hold my ale, basically. (laughs) Like, you go back to your house and you uncover the Blades of Chaos, which was the, na- the the main weapon of the earlier God of War games, right? Yeah. And it's something that I've kind of just been spoiled using in the 2005 game these past few days playing it because it's like, man, I literally just mashed the button all day long. I don't feel a sense of gratification using them really yeah. after that first initial hour because it, I'm just spamming the button. But when you uncover them and you unwrap them and he starts like wrapping them around his hands. Yeah. Even if you've never played a God of War game before, this moment still feels so fucking real and crazy. And you know that he's basically putting on the bondages of his past or something like that. Like he has to, in order to save his son... Do something he swore to himself he'd never go back to, which was, like, the rage-filled Kratos he used to be. And basically the curse tying him to the gods, like, his ins- his servitude to the Pantheon. Literally, because when he was getting ready to lose as a captain or a general, mm-hmm. he called Ares, you know, as he <laughs> screams to the sky. That You're right, that's what he does. He's like, all right, well then, in order to be this servant to me... You, he literally ties them to his body, yeah. the Blades of Chaos, you know? So to put those things back on and then walk out of your house and then see all of those guys come out of the ground and start to use them, oh my gosh. <laughs> it was just as satisfying as using the axe for the first time. Did you have that spoiled for you? The the Blades of Chaos. I know you had the like the final thing. I I feel like I did. But in the moment, it still felt like mind boggling and I didn't see it coming. Okay. It wasn't something that I was anticipating. Let's say that. Like, even if I knew it, like I was always anticipating the end sequence. Mm -hmm. And was that your computer? Uh, Maybe. Yeah. I I was always anticipating the end sequence and knowing Atreus's true person. Right. Yeah. Um, But I wasn't waiting of like, okay, but when are we going to get the blades? Why do we need to get the blades? When is Kratos going to get them? And, you know, type of thing. But it was so perfectly interwoven into the story of like, well, you're going to a realm where your axe cannot hurt the enemies anymore. You need the Blades of Chaos in order to go there. So that moment was just mind-bogglingly cool. Um, 
you go there, you beat a dude, you do the thing, you get the cure, you come back. And it was during this next moment where it kind of like came full circle for Kratos caring for his son, but Atreus seeing the bond between him and his father when Kratos actually tells him, you're a god. Yeah. And it almost felt like this is where I feel like the dynamic shifted between two people that didn't really get along or want to be around each other to like a Simba Mufasa relationship just before Mufasa's killed. Right. Simba disobeys his dad. He's super pissed off. Then they go out into the field and he's like, you know, we're going to be pals forever. Right, dad. Mm-hmm. And he's just like forever and ever or whatever the heck they say that that whole dialogue that they have. But um, I have my notes here. Oh, yeah, because Atreus used his mother's knife, right, to stop this thing in order to save his dad. And so at that moment, um, after Atreus is brought back to health from the cure of Freya, he gets another knife. Um, And so when he gives him the knife, he explains that they're more than men. They're gods. And that Atreus must be better than Kratos. And the way that he delivers the line of the line of like, I've I'm a god, you're a god, but you have to do better than I did. And that's I think as they're getting into a boat to like start their journey out. It he's is like telling him he's a god and like, and then it, it's that really serious moments in light or lightened up by Lo, or uh, Atreus saying basically like. Can I turn into an animal? Like, what can I do? Can I fly? Like, you just like, like, what am I? What I loved about that is that it immediately go back to the dynamic of like the one note Kratos where he's asking all these prompting questions and Kratos is just like, I do not know the reach of your godhood. (laughs) And you're like, all right, Kratos is back. Let's go. (laughs) In the same way where in the beginning, you know, Atreus says like, what are we hunting? And he says deer. And then Atreus is like, well, where are they? And Kratos just says without missing a beat. In the direction of deer, you know, because I, I remember us playing that that for that Friday when you came over mm-hmm. and just cracking up and be like, "What is this game?" Because <laughs> it was so different than number three, and just like some of those lines are just fantastic. They really are, um, and so all of that to say, um, I really only have two additional hype moments, and it's the very end of the game, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I th- do you have anything else from a, a story standpoint that really stuck stuck out to you though? Well, I, I, no, we can go to the end stuff. If I remember, I was gonna basically talk about like even when he was picking up the blades of chaos, like he was still having like the PTSD yeah. of like seeing what Zeus's wife that he had stabbed in number two. Like he was. He was, it was definitely a burden on him to put those on, but he's like, I'm literally going to confront the PTSD of my past. And I got those basically killed my like children and old wife mm-hmm. with, and then go into hell to like get my boy. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's, it was a big moment. It really was. And you felt the weight of it. And yeah. I, I say that as someone who didn't care about God of War prior to this game, really. Yeah. Cause I mean. Kratos was such a one-dimensional character in the first one, and like having him gain so much depth, knowing the past. And I don't know if you ended up watching like a story recap of it. I didn't. I should have, but that's yeah. kind of what influenced me to go back and play that first game, was yeah. to kind of get a bit more of that context. So, um, cool. Well, the the next thing I have is just that final boss fight. Okay. Against um, it's Boulder, right? Boulder. That's the name of the game. Yeah. Holy moly, that was one of the most <laughs> yeah. satisfying boss fights. In a long freaking time. 
Like you have your one note, you got to hit them three times in your 3D platformers. And even in like some, some RPGs, like I don't remember. Like whittled down a health bar, hitting it over, spamming like swing sword, like a Skyrim boss. Yeah. Kind of thing. But this one, everything kind of came together in terms of like, you know, earlier in the game, I didn't make a ton of use out of Atreus, you know, mm-hmm. I'd spam his arrows a couple of times where I was like, man, this guy, he won't freaking die. Like I need, I need Atreus to yeah. paralyze him or whatever. Um, but in this, it was cinematic in the sense that you saw Atreus like jumping off of Kratos back and shooting arrows like that moment when you're free falling and Ara- Atreus is just fucking lighting him <laughs> up with arrows. It's some Legolas shit. <laughs> it really was. Oh, my God. That was so cool. And then great portrayal by um, the guy from Lost. His name escapes me, but he he. Um, oh, yeah. The guy in the hatch. Yeah. He portrayed Baldur's character. The moment that the spell is broken that his mom casts on him where he's literally invincible, that's why in the beginning of the game, it didn't matter what you did to him, he wasn't going to get hurt. But when he's released from that spell and like he feels the cold, the acting there was phenomenal. It was. You could hear quivers in his voice. I'm like, just like shock and like, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that was really cool and special. And then... How desperately, again, going back to like what you do for your kids, even though Freya knew he was so screwed up and probably needed to die, she still begged and pleaded not to kill. Mm -hmm. And what I loved is that earlier in the game, Atreus' godness, if you will, was beginning to supersede his human-like nature. Mm -hmm. So he killed Thor's son, unnecessarily so. And then he just kicked him off as if like, What's his face from 300 kicked that guy off into that pit? And yeah. it was just like, whoa, that's definitely a changing character for Atreus. Atreus and Kratos had to talk some sense into him and saying, like, we do not kill when we do not need to. We, we kill to survive type of thing. That wasn't necessary. And then towards the end of the game, you see Kratos starting to lose it. And he's ready to kill Balder. And Atreus has now learned the lesson. And he speaks up and says, dad, he basically says the exact same line. That Kratos said to Atreus of like, we don't kill people we don't need to. Yeah. The work is done. You've won the battle. And then, of course, he comes back and Baldur's going to, I think, kill Freya or something like that. Um, and that's when Kratos grabs him and snaps his neck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like the character arc between like going back and looking at the first three where Zeus is uh, Kratos's father and there's like zero interaction between like I fucked you over and now hey, you killed me kind of Mm -hmm. thing. And then, like, having Kratos trying to, like, knowing that curse, because I think he was actually cursed to, like, repeat the, like, sins of your father or whatever. And, like, killing your father and then him trying to be a better dad than his dad was to him. Mm -hmm. And, like, finally having that switch of, like, he's actually a better father than his father was to him. And then it coming through in some of those dialogue choices. Mm -hmm. It's great. It really was. Yeah, and so with that being said, though, now you can you can finally go up the mountain and spread your mother's ashes, which was really the entire purpose of the journey, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's like Jotunheim or whatever the heck the yeah, yeah. the Valley of the Giants is. You ended up making your way there. The final sequence is so great because, of course, uh, Brock and Sundry are there, and they're just like, "Yo, we're just gonna chill down here." And some Amir's like. You guys go do your thing. I'll stay down here. So he's just like chilling with the dwarves <laughs> or whatever. That whole sequence of dialogue yeah. was just so perfectly written. And this is also, I think, either just before that or maybe um, 
when you've already walked up the thing. What was most surprising to me is that I thought when they're seeing all of the um, hieroglyphics or drawings or whatever the heck it is on the walls, murals, yeah. I thought that was when it's like, oh shit, Atreus is Loki. Yeah. That's where I thought Kratos was going to describe who he was. But what he didn't know, or what Kratos didn't know, is that his wife was actually a giant. Mm-hmm. And that was something that he, because I think he literally says at a certain point, mother had her secrets too, I guess. Yeah. And like, I think one of the things that she had was like the gift of foresight. So she saw all of these events playing out. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I, for, it's been a while since I've looked at it, but apparently along the journey, there are a lot of hints that she knew or she left stuff for you. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was really interesting. The mural was great. And then you have that like, piece of fabric that flaps which kind of foreshadows future stuff okay yeah um so i guess go back and watch that scene because you see like it's either atreus killing his dad or something like bad happening to kratos Mm -hmm. um but yeah and then you what make your way up to the mountain where you kind of get that huge reveal well that was sweet and it was also just super sentimental and and emotionally empowering to like spread the ashes and then i think kratos literally put his arm around atreus as they look out into this vast landscape of literal giants walking around which was also really fucking cool to see that i'm sure the concept art for that was wild and they kind of just have this moment where you finally have a chance to breathe you know they've successfully completed their mission they've gone on the journey a lot has happened but also to know how much each of them has grown along the way and what was i think the most emotional thing for me was you see kratos actually take off those wraps that he has covering the blades of just before you go up yeah and he's basically like you can see all of me yeah Yeah. wow that was oh my gosh yeah no that's a great call out i forgot about that i don't know how because that was such a cool moment too um so yeah that happens and then i'm pretty sure at this point you saw the santa monica studio logo which i love when great games don't break immersion with credits yeah i love when they're seamlessly interwoven into the the game and so you can kind of almost keep playing if you will and then that's when treyas is like that when i was down there looking at those murals they, they called me by a different name did you know that type of thing and he's like what was it or whatever and he's like they called me loki I can't like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I can't even imagine playing that game that weekend and just being a fly on the wall and seeing your reaction. I, I was like, holy shit, because I love Norse mythology. Like mythology in general is just fascinating mm-hmm. for like every culture. And just knowing Norse and then having Loki. I mean, obviously, Marvel shit's a little bit different. But like he said that and I was like, whoa, yeah, whoa. And then it. it we can talk about that, but it perfectly translates into what's coming in this next game with Ragnarok because mm-hmm. Loki was the one who actually got uh, Boulder's brother to like shoot him with the mistletoe or whatever. Mm-hmm. So Loki was kind of the trickster who got Boulder to die mm. um, with his blind brother. So like that's what kicks off Ragnarok. And you're like, you're Loki. Shit. All right. Yeah. And it was just, it was such a... Because you, you know him as Atreus for like a 30-hour journey and then have him have a deep cut or a cut from the lore and just like he's actually so much more ingrained 
in this mythology than you thought he was. Well, yeah, which is amazing. And it sounds like the team at Santa Monica and certainly Corey very on, very early on in development knew that Atreus was going to be Loki. What he didn't know was what he wanted to call him. And so that's actually what led to Christopher Judge referring to him or Kratos referring to him as boy for most of the game because he procrastinated finding a name for him. (laughs) So because of that, that's often why, and and part of it just being part of his personality, but that's kind of why he said boy for so often. But it works so well. Yeah. Like it, I don't... did he call him Atreus at all? Like he maybe one towards the end? A few different times, but he was very purposeful when he did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it would have been a totally different feel to the game if he didn't call him boy. Yeah. Like, because that's such an iconic, like even I think one of their awards that they gave out, like he called him boy and everyone just started erupting. It was a content creator of the year award yeah. at the game awards and they presented it. And so they planned for it, but Christopher yeah. Judge is up there and Sonny has the card that has the award winner. And there's just like this eight second pause and Sonny's kind of looking around and then he just says, read it, boy. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's when everyone in the crowd Yeah, they probably nuts. got way more excited about that than they did about the actual award. Yeah, exactly. Um, such a cool moment. I love their commitment to Norse mythology and then how much more weight now him being Loki holds going into this next game. Yeah. Um, and so I wouldn't have done what I did unless you told me. So you kind of go down the stairs, you meet Mimir again. He's basically just like, thank God you guys are back. Yeah, God, I have to spend this time with these dwarves. <laughs> Those dwarves were just like brutal. Um, and then that's what kind of when it says, you know, you can play New Game Plus, you can keep exploring, you can do whatever you want type of deal. And I told you like, dude, I beat it. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we need to talk about this. And you were just like, before you do anything else, go back home. That's where the true ending is. Yeah. And I was like, all right. So um, <laughs> I was I, actually surprised you did it or like and not waiting to the next morning. But you're like, all right. Yeah, whatever. I'm like, I'm committed at this point. So I fast travel home. Uh, thankfully, that's another thing I liked about the game is the fast travel system, I think, works pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like Skyrim where you can really go everywhere, but you can fast travel to specific locations that I think make sense uh, for exploration purposes. Yeah. Anyways, so I fast travel home and I walk into my house and then it kind of cues up a cutscene. But again, not necessarily a cutscene because it's all kind of interwoven yeah. into this one camera, one shot thing. And you go to sleep because you can finally rest after this journey. Very, very fitting. And then it says like a few years later or whatever the heck it says. And you just hear something outside. You both wake up. You walk up to the door you open it up and then you see the backside of this cloaked figure. And, and then there's just this raging storm wind. And like, I think Atreus is just like, what is going on kind of thing? Because your house is like shaking. Yeah, exactly. And then you is revealed the, the hammer, Thor's yeah. hammer. And crazy for me now, just beating the game, having watched the Ragnarok trailer and seeing that like, Oh my gosh, this game literally ends where this next game is picking up. Because that was like a revelation to us. And I mean, you saw it in the trailer before you beat the game, right? But like, yeah, for us back in 2018, when we saw that, it was just like, oh shit, next game's going to be insane. So, okay, question for you. And we kind of get into Ragnarok stuff yet now. uh, And I think because we've gone on super long, what we're going to do 
is Ryan prepped a whole bunch of like Norse mythology stuff and how Kratos potentially fits into that story. And just kind of like the overarc of like what happens during Ragnarok and what we could potentially see. Yeah. Because this is, they've said that this is to conclude the arc of this new kind of God of War. It's going to be two games and done. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was going to walk through Ragnarok, the overarching story, who's involved, because it's more than just Thor. Um, you have Odin stuff as well. So Yeah, so we're going to do that in a future episode, maybe after we get another deep dive trailer or state of play for, for Ragnarok. Um, I, I presume like or assume later next year, uh, I feel like this is a deep into 2022 game for sure. We'll kind of return to that conversation. But my question for you then is, and again, because I'm only going off of the MCU lore, is Atreus that Thor's brother then? So that's where it gets kind of weird. Um, I think, I mean, coming out of that two-hour kind of thing, they said they kind of adapted their impression of the lore to make it kind of fit. Okay. Um, like, technically, I think the snake is Loki's son. Oh. So, he... like, it gets really weird. Okay. Like, I think it was, like, Zeus becomes a bird and, like, has sex with people. Like, against their will and then creates all these random children. Like it's kind of like the weird kind of the lore. Okay. Um but yeah. I mean he's technically part of Jodenheim, I believe. Um he's kind of, he's just the god trickster. I think he he's portrayed as a lot of different things in the lore. Mm-hmm. I think he's a horse at one point. It gets into the shapeshiftiness. Okay. Well, all of that to say, we will go into that in the future. Um, I, I think I've said my piece on God of War. You said your piece on episodes long ago, and I think today as well. Yeah. It, it's definitely a masterpiece of a game. I think it's deserving of all of the the tens across the board and positive reception upon release. And and not that we're that much far from release, but I think three years later, it certainly holds up. And I think this is a game that will be talked about for years to come for sure. Uh, and Ragnarok, you know, I'm ready for it. You know, let's do this. Yeah. No, I, I think it's going to be a great progression from what we've seen um, starting out kind of the three seasons of winter, which is where you get all that iciness. You get the nice dog sled, which is going to be a quicker version of the boat. And then you've got a lot of nods to some of that lore with Loki and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and visiting Nine Realms will be great. That'd be sweet. Uh but yeah, no, I'm I'm super excited. I that was a perfect way to end everything, and I'm glad you finally that gave you kind of the motivation for you to play that. Me that too, man. Too. Oh my goodness, what a video game! So if you are listening to this podcast episode and you have anything else you want to add to the discussion of God of War, maybe you played it and it just didn't do much for you. I can totally see that too. I don't see it being a game for everyone. Um, so yeah, let us know right into Otaku Brothers Podcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Discord. Please be mindful of spoilers. Use that little um, spoiler tag you can do on Discord um, to avoid for those that have not played it because I know um, one of the listeners hit me up on Twitter and said that he's going to play it as well. Our good friend Nolan over there. Um, so I want as many people as possible to play this game and go into it spoiler free that haven't already experienced it. So Good stuff, Ryan. We have gone on nearly two and a half hours. It's been a while since we've uh, recorded an episode that long. But like we've been saying, you know, when we take a two-week break, we're going to have more stuff 
that we want to talk about. Yeah, for sure. But one thing I do want to quickly go down is Ryan and I are prepping for the next couple weeks or couple episode ideas. Um, I kind of sent a list of things over to Ryan and then he kind of shot it back to me with his edits and thoughts. And we have some really fun episodes in the pipeline. So in two weeks, we're planning to have on a guest if schedules can work out. So I don't want to spoil it, but let's just say we're planning to talk about PlayStation trophies, our history with them, the first trophy we ever got, the hardest platinum, any platinums we want to get but probably never will. If you're a fan of trophies, you don't want to miss this one. And if if you're not a fan of trophies, don't worry because we're going to be picking this person's brain and I think it should make for a fun discussion. Yeah, it should be a good time. And then two weeks after that, a certain console is celebrating its 20-year anniversary this year. Do you know what that console is, Ryan? GameCube? The Nintendo GameCube. So Ryan and I are going to do another Destiny Island Challenge episode where we're going to talk about all the hype leading up to the launch of it. A lot of fun facts. I've already put together kind of a script for all the fun facts I'm bringing to the table. A lot of really good stuff. I'm sure some of you don't know about the GameCube that I think is going to be super entertaining. Again, this is an educational program. Like we did for the Sega Genesis episode, we're probably going to be playing some um, promos and ads. I'll cue those up on YouTube. And then, as the Destiny Island Challenge is themed, we will be picking five GameCube games that we plan to spend the rest of our life playing with our boys uh, Donald and Goofy and Sora over on Destiny Island. So that's going to be good times. And then I'll probably just tease this next episode. Late October, we are planning to have a very special person on this podcast. Again, if schedules align, if you're a longtime fan of the Otaku Brothers podcast, I know there's maybe a few of you out there, the first person we ever had on the show is making a return. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. And we might be talking about some spooky season stuff, some October games, some interesting music that might tie into the season. We'll see. So stay tuned for all of that. Ryan and I actually have mapped out all of our episode plans through the end of this year. And I'm really excited to um, to kind of bring all that good stuff to all you fine people and getting back to having some guests on the show. Yeah. And potentially kicking Rusty off for one of those episodes. That's right. Yeah. We're going to do a sibling episode. We're planning on it in November um, around the Thanksgiving time frame. Ryan and Lauren are going to get behind the mics and just talk about whatever the heck they want to. So that'll be pretty cool too. Of course, uh, I get the short end of the stick because I'm going to have to edit that stuff. But, (laughs) you know, it's, it's, it's all good for the love of the listeners and for the love of recording this show. Well, that's all we have for you this week. Unless my co-host over here, as I always do, you got any parting words or fun facts this week? If you don't have a fun fact, it's all good. You doubt me. I I don't know why. I think it was because Australia has been in the news lately and I was just kind of looking at Australia and like what's going on with that. It's still just fascinating. I don't it's probably common knowledge, but like they started out as like a penal colony for the British Empire. Like Mm. it was basically like a prison for all of these convicts and they just kind of sent them over to um the port in sydney oh okay it was called port jackson um and yeah the main reason they sent them over to australia as kind of their prison colony was because they wanted to keep the french out of the region because that was kind of their main competitor throughout their whole colonization process wow Okay, And that's also kind of why the French got involved in the Revolutionary War was because they were like, hey, 
fuck you, Great Britain. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just, I don't know. I was, I, I it was partially because they're in the news. And then I was just curious about, like, are the seasons completely the opposite in the Southern Hemisphere? And apparently they are. They are, yeah. So. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, Ryan always bringing the fun facts. We got to end the show with some good tunes. That's why you have to stay for the end of the show. This week's a little different because we had the spoiler-filled discussion, but, you know, we do have closing comments in the uh, the show notes as well, so you could always skip to that just to hear our, our closing remarks. But with all of that being said, Ryan and I will be back in two weeks, like I said, hopefully with a very special guest. I'm super pumped, but until then... Everyone, be healthy out there. We're getting into the uh, the flu season. It's getting a little colder out there, so be careful, be well, and just keep playing those good video games. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>